Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken. I'm joining me in the studio, as always, as a co-host. It's Padawan Jay. Hello, hello, hello. And joining us as well, it is your coach. It is my coach. It is the coach, Coach Duffy. Swan song today, guys. Today's a sad day, but it's also a glorious day. It is, because we have a special guest joining us, first time officially on the ODPH, because... This we, is what perked me up, by the way, after the swan song. Yes, because, you know, running the bases, we're going to talk about the little down moment today. We're going to give coaches time to say his swan song to Eli. But we're not going to be down this entire show, folks, no, because we have a special guest finally joining us, long overdue. You know him from the Three Fat Nerds podcast. You know him from Horror Zone 607 podcast. He is the CEO of 8122 Productions, home of my favorite Patreon show, Love is Scary, which I wish I could talk about, but I can't. Give it up for 3FN's Rich. What's up, nerds? It's a great time. It's a, I'm, I'm actually excited to be on the official show. I have done a special show now. Yeah, we, I did the special, and then I now I'm on the actual show. This is this is actually fun. Actually, now I just have to make it to the entertainment show so I can do trifecta. Yeah, we're gonna have to make that happen. I yeah, mean, eventually. we just kicked off the year because last time Rich was on was the big interview with Gus from Walking Distance, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was the longest podcast in the ODPH history until you guys recently beat that. So yes, I, I killed think that. I have to, we knocked that out of the I park. Think, I think we have to take that title back. I'm kind of long-winded, so it works out. Yeah, we got to get Gus back on, and then maybe Jimmy will actually make it down. Yes, maybe. Oh. That, that'll be interesting in, in its own. Yeah, there'll be like a whole WrestleMania week. We're just going to do one every day. Just, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just to build up with different podcasters. A six-hour show. Oh, it, it's oh, not a six-hour marathon. I, I, I might have to take match. a nap. Oh, it's not out of the realm of thought. But this episode, though, we're going to be covering the world of sports, as you know, and join in that conversation with us, shall you? This is the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. You can find us on OchoDuroParlayHour.com and join in the conversation on all our social media with the hashtag ODPH. Lots to talk about this week, so let's kick off with the big news. Super Bowl is set mm-hmm. in two weeks' time. We know who's going to the dance. We have to break down the games of the AFC and NFC Conference. Let's start it off in the AFC pad. What you got? Uh, Well, of course, it was the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Cinderella story of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Kansas City ended up winning by the final score of 35 to 24. Patrick Mahomes, 23 of 35 for 294 yards, three touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. Ryan Tannehill actually threw this game. He he threw more than, you know, two dozen passes. Kind of had to. Uh, 21 of 31 for 209 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Telling stat, though, Derrick Henry, 19 carries for only six. Yards. When you stop Henry, it was going to be a long day for Tennessee. Coach, your thoughts? I mean, obviously, you saw that what happens when you stop Derrick Henry, that they are uh, a very a team that it can be beat. You know, Tennessee uh, had looked so dominant the last two playoff games, but Derrick Henry had gotten the ball, and they just chewed up clock, and this is the one game where Kansas City ultimately was able to put it on them offensively, and I mean, they were still down 10 and able to, to fight their way back. Uh you know, Tennessee, it, it's so tough because they were playing so well and, and Rabel was so much fun on the sidelines and everything. And I loved watching Derrick Henry run the ball 
I loved the the ang- the violence and the anger that he ran with. But this game, unfortunately, I mean, it wasn't so much his running as it was those runs that he got were opened up by his offensive line. You know, the game against New England and Baltimore, he was gaining four yards by himself. But this game, if he if the offensive line wasn't creating holes for him, you know, uh, Kansas City was stopping him. And credit to Kansas City because they backed up. Uh, exactly what they said they were going to do with stopping Derrick Henry. And, again, credit goes to Steve Spagnola. I can't speak highly enough of him. Oh, what a great defensive coordinator. I mean, literally uh, eliminated the one thing that they were strong at, which was the run, mm. and they forced Tannehill to throw it. And what he has done with Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger, resurgence, resurgence because when he left Houston – Everybody thought that his career was over, yeah. and he is using him in the position that I actually wish the Giants were going were gonna to use Landon Collins before they let him go, which is just this, and it's the same thing as the kid from Clemson. He, a strong safety that's big enough to play in the box, so he can play linebacker, he can play inside, he can play outside, and they were using him in the same way, and that ultimately was the X factor, you know, in that matchup of Kansas City's defense versus Tennessee's offense. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's like you said though. Credit to Steve Spagnuolo for the defense he planned up because can't talk highly enough of him. Because you know it's like Derrick Henry. The previous two games was running like it was Madden on easy mode and just running all over the place. So take Derrick Henry out of the game and you got to just deal with Ryan Tannehill, which he's a serviceable quarterback. If you're trying to bridge the gap between somebody you lost and your future quarterback, whoever you draft it, but is he ultimately going to get you to the big dance and win you the big game no he could he could win the game being on baltimore's offense yeah back in the you know heyday of that 01 super bowl with ray lewis helming the defense mm-hmm. ryan Tannehill could win that super bowl but today against kansas city and that high-powered offense he just wasn't enough to get them over and like if they had you know maybe even just a step above Tannehill, which played well in the playoffs like that I mean I don't want to rob him because then we're going to talk about the San Francisco game where it was Jimmy Garoppolo who was six of eight you know and threw for 78 yards so it's like I don't want to discredit Tannehill because he's played well especially since taking over for Mariota when they were out of the playoffs and Tannehill brought them in you know by his play so I it's just they needed uh, one more offensive weapon, and maybe even a wide receiver to help but because they just didn't have anything offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rich, what's your takes from this game? Uh, the takeaway on this one, I mean, let's be honest. We all just said it. It is a Cinderella story. Midnight hit, went back to rags from the, the dress. I mean, Tennessee was a one-sided offense, and it showed. Once you shut down that with the, the running machine, it, it was over. And Kansas City did a great job on defense, making sure the running was shut down. And uh, and on the other end of it, you know, because we're you know not jumping ahead, obviously the run was important to to win at least one game this week, and uh, it would have been important for Tennessee to win as well. No, I mean it's the thing though is, is Tennessee. I think rode the success of Derrick Henry all the way to the bank. You know, the, you know, the, the, as the saying goes, ride it to the wheels fall off. And you look at Derrick Henry's season stats: three hundred and three attempts, first in the NFL; uh, one thousand five hundred and forty yards. First in the NFL, uh, sixteen touchdowns, tied for first in the NFL. Uh, averaged five point one yards per carry, good for sixth in the NFL. So out of the like the four big categories you look at with your running backs for fantasy, he was in the top. He was first in three of them, in uh, six in a, in the fourth one. To stop Tennessee was going to be a tough task for Kansas City, but give credit to where credit is due. Steve Spagnola, as coach has discussed on many episodes, and can't speak highly. Enough I'm for drinking this, the Kool Aid. He came up with the perfect defensive scheme to take Henry out of the equation. 
Once you did that, you had to make Ryan Tannehill beat you. Now, granted, Tannehill has had a resurgence. We're talking about resurging players since he's left Miami and is behind a line that can keep him upright and let him pass. I mean, listen, let's talk about the guy in Spagnola who has stopped the New England offense not once but twice was the limiting factor for what changed in Kansas City going into this year from last year was what helped New Orleans' defense for a couple years when he was there as well. It's just some guys don't make good head coaches, Mm -hmm. but they make a hell of a coordinator, and that is Steve Spagnuolo to a T. The man is brilliant with his X's and O's, and I I can't stress it enough, and what Joe Judge said in that press conference has stuck with me, and this is what Spagnuolo has done with his defenses. You don't put square pegs in round holes. Yeah. And he puts players in positions to be successful, and he keeps it simple. That's the biggest thing that he does as an offensive coordinator because a lot of guys out-scheme themselves, and that's what ultimately kills them. You know, as they try to be, oh, you know, we're going to run this hybrid 4-3, 3-4. You know, Betcher comes to mind with the Giants this year. You just out-scheme yourself. Sometimes just keeping it simple, running a four-man front, putting guys behind them, and putting them in a position to be successful is ultimately what wins games, and that's what Spagnola does. Spagnola has definitely been a welcome addition for Kansas City because their defense has always been in the shadow of that high-powered offense. Andy Reid has built a juggernaut on the offensive side oh, of the ball. F- Tyreek Hill is in discussion for MVP. I know he's not going to get it, but no. but you have to think about it. He there makes, will be somebody who gives him a vote. But he makes that offense tick along with Mahomes. He's a perfect complement to him. Yeah, and I mean, listen, the run game isn't great, and it doesn't need to be great because when you have weapons on the outside like Kelsey and Hill and Sammy Watkins when healthy and then Mahomes' legs too, you don't really need a great run game. I mean, just imagine if they did. No, if they had a, a, a dynamic runner, say, even if you got like a Leonard Fournette from Jacksonville, like yeah, somebody just that could somebody take the that could, Yeah, somebody that could take 15 to 20 carries, especially when they're up. Because yeah. when they're up, they still have to throw on you because they're, they, you know, they just don't run the ball very Damian well. Damian Williams doesn't scare you. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. I mean, McCoy is serviceable, past but past his prime. Yeah, they don't have a, a solid running game except when Mahomes takes over. And that's the one good thing about him is everybody knows his arm strength and he can just make magic happen when he throws the ball. But he can actually be a mobile quarterback. Well, let's not talk about the fact, too, or let's not forget. I mean, this guy had two major leg injuries this year. Yeah. And still was out there on a third and whatever running for an 18-yard touchdown because they were in man coverage and didn't have a, and the spy took a bad route. Yeah. I it, mean, that's nuts. To oh, still put it on the line like that, good for him. It just goes to show, I mean, what kind of character he has. Yeah. He's willing to do that because especially as we talked about beginning of the year when he did that egregious. Oh, just egregious. Yeah, egregious QB sneak that killed my fantasy team. Thank you very much. <laughs> that he bounced back and to lead Kansas City – to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. Can anybody believe that? I mean, yeah, because they were on the doorstep last year. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the only thing that I think that Rob Kansas that Kansas City was robbed of is not being able to get that win back against New England. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been the one thing because to me, yeah, all right, they beat the team that beat New England, but, like, it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Like, I mean, when the Giants went to that Super Bowl in 07 – they beat the Cowboys to get there, and then they beat you know Brett Favre and the Green Bay offense 
in Green Bay. So, like, the win felt that much better. So, I mean, I know Kansas City fans don't give a shit, and that's fine. I don't blame you. But for, like, me, it's like I just wish that they would have had to have played New England and faced, you know, like how Michael Jordan had to play the Pistons yeah. to get to that or the, and beat the and beat those teams to eventually win the NBA title. I would have liked to have seen Mahomes beat the team that always beats them to get there. But, I mean, this is football, and that's why it is what it is in any given Sunday. And credit to Kansas City for getting over the hump finally. Oh, yeah, this is a big moment for them. And Andy Reid is absolutely fantastic, and I can't wait to enjoy this second version of him. Because in Philly, he was way more standoffish. You know, he was very uptight. So that Super Bowl, you know, the two Super Bowls that he had against New England in Philly, he was very, like, not confrontational but the just one super bowl one super yeah. bowl he just wasn't enjoyable like this time though you know he's got a little flair to him you know talk about breaking out the hawaiian shirts and how he needs to go on a diet starting on monday <laughs> you know like he's having fun with it so i think that that weight off his shoulders i think is going to help them and help him coach this week let me ask you this rich is going to be media week they're going to have a lot of interviews which chief do you think is going to have the best media row week Oh jeez, <laughs> oh man! I, I don't know. I, I, I as judging after the game, I do believe probably Andy Reid. Andy yeah, Reid, if he keeps he, that up, he's going to get a lot of food questions. Oh, he's going to get. If he keeps that ton. up, he's going. You know, and as a fellow fat guy, <laughs> I, I, I have to, I have to uh, root for him as far as his media days are going to go. The only thing I'm wondering, and I know somebody's going to ask it, you know, what's his favorite burger place? And I'm very, and, and not that I'm going to judge him, I'm just curious to see what his answer is going to be. Because you, know, you know after his comment Sunday or Monday or whenever it was, yeah. where somebody asked, oh, what did you do after the AFC Championship game? He went, he said, I went home and had a cheeseburger and went to bed. Yeah, I can't wait to see him, and I can't wait to see Travis Kelsey down there. Kelsey's going to be wild. Kelsey's going to be wild. I, so, I don't know. I have, a, I have a thing with both tight ends on both teams. I just think they're such tools. I don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't, like, don't, don't hide your opinion, no, Coach. No, I know. Like I'm just saying, Like I like – I like both tight ends because they're like block first, old school, like Mark Bavaro, you know, style tight ends that will just smack you in the mouth and then go out and catch, you know, a 25 yard touchdown pass. But just them outside, like Kelsey's got, you know, brother, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he's got that accent going for him. And it's like, come on, bro. Like, who are you trying to fool right now? And then, uh,. Uh, Kittle has this, like, I'm a man's man, you know, like, I'm, I'm a cool guy, you know, wearing the Garoppolo t-shirt and shit, like, I know they're having fun, and I, it's something small, but I just think they're tools. Kel- they're g- great players. <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Rich? I, 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 I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah. nothing to, there's nothing to disagree about, but for the most part, let's be honest, most tight ends are kind of tools. Yeah, I mean, I listen, mean, I, 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 I Gronk I was a, I mean, the oh, epitome yeah. of what has probably led them to feeling like they can be these kind of personalities. Gronk was a child in an adult's body. That is very true. I, I got to point it out, still I, is. I think that's been going on way longer than that for tight ends, though, because I mean, if you go back, like, there's, it's just the thing yeah. with tight ends to be like the goofy guy. Yeah, it's like, I, I think it's the body build. It's a, yeah, it's in a unique body build to be a tight end because you're like. Half the, you're like the size, almost the size of a lineman, but at the same time you are supposed to be quick like a receiver. So it's a weird body. That's build. fair. So I feel like they have to be just know, a weird personality. Yeah, yeah, it's weird to fill it. You know, you you have to you know as a big guy you have to rely on uh, humor to uh, get you through. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to be personality. Able to, you you got to be able to knock guys on their ass and then at the same time go up in the air and get knocked on your ass. Yeah. yeah so Kansas City is going to have a big big week coming up going into the game day. I can't mm-hmm. wait for their media row because I think they're going to steal the show there. 
And for Tennessee, they have to look at the season as a lot of pluses because yeah. going in and how they rally to get into the playoffs yeah. and really push the tempo to, to make a statement that they're a team to contend with. I mean, Mike, Mike Vrabel did a hell of a job coaching. Yeah. It's just going to be a very interesting offseason at what they do with quarterback. Yeah, I think Mariota is all but gone. I mean, yeah. you should be proud of your season if you're Tennessee. You technically, I mean, you you technically won two games you should have lost. Well, so you, you in, impossible, and then and then at the same time you, you finally lost to a team you should have. So I mean, like they should have been knocked out in round one if you're going team to team, mm. and somehow they rode it all the way to the AFC Championship game. So to me, that's a win. I mean, it does suck that you're going home. Uh, you know, nobody wants to go home, but at the right. same point in juncture, it's a lot farther than anybody thought they were going to go. Yeah, absolutely. So. Going into Super Bowl week, Kansas City is going to have a big time ahead of them. Tennessee is going to have a lot to look on the outside looking in. And, you know, they do compare a lot to our NFC championship winner. Uh-huh. I think Tennessee and San Francisco has a lot of comparisons. Yeah. Uh, Pat, why don't you break that down for the NFC? Yeah, so, of course, the NFC championship game was between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers, and San Francisco uh, won the game by the final score of 37-20. to Jimmy Garoppolo, 6 of 8 for 77 yards uh no touchdowns and no interceptions and then aaron Rodgers, 31 of 39 for 200 or excuse me 326 yards two touchdowns two interceptions big stat though raheem um, what is it monster more set more set more set uh 29 carries 220 yards averaged 7.6 yards per carry Four touchdowns. Coach, did they do a body swap with Tennessee? Man, did I peg this one wrong? Yeah. Ooh, I think like, we all did. Uh, oh, man, Green Bay. You know, they're, everything that they do well, 49ers do well. Like, oh, my God, because they just didn't show up. I mean, there was no adjustment. Um, what's his face? The um, LaFleur, the head coach at Green Bay. I mean, to his credit, I don't think it's really fair that, you know, the broadcast was like, oh, he looks shell-shocked. Like, if you had your team down 24 nothing. At halftime, like, wouldn't you be shell shocked too? Like, I mean, the, what do you? How do you answer that? Especially when it's the fact that you know you probably prepared for them throwing the ball a little bit more, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they come out and they're just running the ball down your throat, and you have no answers for it. You know, so it's like that's tough. And then offensively, I mean, they just look trash. They look terrible. San Francisco did everything they needed to do to eliminate Adams from the game plan and made Aaron Rodgers look human and. You know, Seattle, it's funny because Seattle, I thought, played a very good game. It's just the opposite end of this spectrum. They got down big early and just fought too late to get back. And this was the same now thing for Green Bay. They got down too early, too big, and they fought too late to get back. And, I I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but Rodgers just looked lost. Like, he He looked Mm -hmm. looked disinterested. He didn't look engaged. I mean, I'm starting to turn on Rodgers from what I like, what I my feelings were for him before, where it was like, you know, originally it was the guy that was held back by Favre to the fighter who took over the team that nobody thought he was ever going to take over, you know, and now I'm like, it just seems prima donna ish. I mean, he was on the sidelines blaming other guys. You saw him in the huddle screaming and and, and all this stuff, and it just it didn't feel like a guy who. A, wanted to be there, and B, was confident in his team and the performance that they could do, that they could even come back. And I don't know. I just And then you look at the other side with the 49ers and you see Kyle Shanahan and the, the calm, cool collectiveness that he had and the trust that he had in Jimmy G 
to not even have to do anything other than hand the ball off. I mean, the the credit to him to say, all right, we're going to run the ball and we're going to stick to the run no matter what the results were is uh, a credit to his co- head coaching because he's a young guy and, you know, for them, you think that they would want to throw the ball and they didn't want, they didn't need to. And yeah. good for him for trusting the run. Yeah, I give Kyle Shanahan the credit, though, but you know he was telling Jimmy G, don't turn the ball over. I've had a lead before. I know what happens. Well, sure. You know, but at the same token, though, I feel like if you were to go back in time and, and tell Matt LaFleur that, like, you know, if you if you go in and tell any NFL coach that, like, hey, come up with a defense that'll stop a running back from getting 220 yards, a lot of defensive coordinators and head coaches will go, what are you, out of your mind? Like, it's very hard for teams to beat somebody who's running the ball down your throat that much. So, yeah, credit to Kyle Shanahan and the folks with that because that brilliant play scheme, if that was the plan, who's to say? You know, that might not have been the play scheme, but then when they saw a couple of runs that they busted off, you know, his the longest that more uh, that uh, Raheem had there was 36 yards. You know, if they busted off that 36-yard run and then maybe had something for 20-something, they go, hey, wait a minute, why don't we adjust this a little bit? This seems to be working a little bit better. Yeah, well, but they should have, and they didn't. That's the problem. Like, I mean, LaFleur should have. They There is answers for stopping the run, and it's putting nine in the box and making Jimmy G pass, and they just didn't make that adjustment because they didn't throw the ball. I mean, yeah. that's what Kansas City did in the other game. That See, that's the thing, though, is the, the contrast between these two games because San Francisco you know is going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. You know Tennessee is going to run the ball. Kansas City did a better job of handling Tennessee's run than what Green Bay did to handle the 49ers' run. But the difference, the difference definitely is though that San Francisco is in a position that they can beat you easier with the pass that Tennessee was going to. Right. They 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 de- they definitely can pass, and they're a passing team as well as as running the ball well. Here's the thing: I think that that was the mistake that Green Bay made early on is that they thought that it was a ploy. And I think they thought that okay, they're just trying to get us to come in so they can go over the top. And meanwhile, San Francisco probably game plan to do some running, and probably that was the original plan. And then they went, oh wait a minute, this is working so well that. Let's just keep running. Well, sure. And then when they didn't switch over, though, Green Bay should have switched over and said, hey, they're not passing at all. They're right. not throwing. Like, I mean, what is it? Uh, Grapple didn't even throw one pass until, what, the third quarter? At least. No, it was straight. That was a it completion? Was, it was from the about two-minute mark of the second quarter oh, until 14-15 yeah. yeah. of the fourth. Right, right. It was a it was a ridiculous amount of time to not even throw a pass, yeah. attempt a pass. Not to mention the San Francisco defense looked monster. Oh, yeah. yeah that they defense looked, looked monster. Uh, the, the two things, uh, like I said, the two takeaways that I had was that that uh, San Francisco's defense was super impressive. Yep. Uh, obviously, you can't say enough. You can say all the stuff about the run game. The run game was amazing. Right. But I mean, that, that but defense that's... locked down Green Bay like you could not believe. I mean, we had turnovers and, and everything else. But that goes to my second point. The second point is I think Aaron Rodgers, when he's going in that huddle and he's blaming other teammates, you really have to look at yourself. He missed a lot of passes that Aaron Rodgers doesn't miss. He came up short on a uh-huh. lot of passes. He overshot a lot of passes. And it wasn't the route. It was him. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, he was not performing at his top tier. So, for him to blame somebody else is just ridiculous. Well, and that's the thing. I, you know, you got to point out is the Packers didn't score a touchdown until the third quarter. Oh yeah, and and you know for us it doesn't seem like a long time, but for you got to figure for an NFL player that is an eternity. Well, yeah. especially when you're staring at twenty four nothing. What was the the stat that they gave? They were outscored forty seven to seven in the last three quarters they played coming into that touchdown in the third quarter because yeah. they got shut out in the second half and they got shut out in the part the second part of the game against against uh, Seattle. Yeah, so their fourth they were they were already on like this forty this epic forty seven to seven run 
uh, it's it, it was just down. And and if you go back to that game, even Rodgers was off in that game as well. So yeah, I, I think there's something with him that he needs to really kind of go inside of his own head and go, hey, why am I mis misplacing the ball? Well, I think there's a couple things to focus on with this too. I I do agree with you. Something was off with the Rodgers. I'm wondering. Is it because he had to go back to San Francisco and the draft drama that was going on? You have to think that maybe he he is an emotional player, right? Let's, so maybe it was creeping in his head that he wanted to try so badly. Well, to he be brought Frisco. it up. Oh, I know he did. Yeah, and of course, you know the different medias were replaying his uh, draft day speech where he's saying, "I'm really going to make the Niners regret pick or missing on me." Oh yeah, they he, were. He did, a, he did an awesome job of that in that game. I yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he went Bowl. out of his way to try overcompensating, and it failed because being down 27 nothing at halftime. <sighs> To a running back, like I said, Raheem Morster, which I, I apologize earlier, I think I said Morset, but Morster running four touchdowns or three touchdowns already in the first half. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? Like, we I know we joke about who is Atlanta. What is Atlanta? But for this team, and we we've talked about this numerous times, they don't really have superstars per se. Kittle is an emerging one, but Kittle has solidified himself as one of the best tight ends in the league. Right. Debo Samuel should be in consideration for Rookie of the Year. But looking at their running back core, it's like, who are these guys? Well, that's the thing is I had to do some digging and had to go to profootballreference.com and look at the the drives and like plays and all that. Uh, Raheem on the San Francisco side had 159 yards rushing by halftime. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which is ridiculous. insane. I'll say that it that's what separates the 49ers and their run game and their ability to run was they those wide receivers and skill players were looking to block mm-hmm. and I mean Debo Debo Samuel and, and Kittle I mean I already Kittle I already said him and Kelsey are pretty much the premier tight ends in the league because of their ability not only to um, run routes but also their ability to pass block and run block i mean you you will see plays that he will stay and help be a pass blocker Mm -hmm. and you will see plays where kelsey does that too and that is an elite tight end because the skill set to pass block an end especially uh you know really skilled end or picking up a blitz of a linebacker it's very difficult task so like for them to be able to do that is wicked impressive but then on top of that, the 49ers have probably the best fullback in all of football, and they will run a fullback at you more than anybody else in the NFL, which is a different look than teams are used to because when you don't see a fullback in the backfield often, you see a lot of teams line up you know, either in twin tight ends or they'll line up in dual, you know, the split tight ends and they'll run two tight ends at you. It's a different run scheme and it's a different run blocking. But when you have a tight end and when you have a running back as a lead block and he is an effective lead block – that is what separates a good run game from a great run game, and that's what the 49ers are able to do. And I just think that Green Bay's defense just played it soft, and that's what killed them. But I think Spagnola will have the ability to limit that run and that game plan because he'll put and use Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, in a way that he can nullify the fullback blocking by picking him up early and getting somebody to, to create um, you know that stopgap with the run. Um, I'm I'm excited for this matchup in the Super Bowl though. I think it is uh, it's definitely the best one that we were going to get this year. Uh, Kansas City's offense is great. San Francisco's offense can be great. They've shown it that they can be great, putting 30 points on a good Seattle team. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I think um, the 49ers are, are a great team, and I think they're the right team to represent the NFC because I think if Green Bay would have been in this game against Kansas City, they would have been ran out of the building. 
I think Green Bay's defense has been suspect all season. Right? Oh, yeah, they yeah. have been for a few years. I, I think definitely we overrated their value. I mean, I know that they played well on the road. Like, I, I that's yeah. not wrong. But, I yeah, I think their defense wasn't as good as what we thought they were. I mean, you, you, you break it down into the second quarter in the middle of the running thing. You have a turnover with an interception that turns into a touchdown because uh, from 20 yards out, you have Raheem gets the ball on a dive, on a dive, no fullback, dive. Right. Yeah. And he breaks for a 20-yard touchdown, and nobody touched him. Not a single person on that defense on a dive. That was a third down never, play, too. It, it was a third down play. And here's the worst part about that. You should never have a guy running a dive who gets touched by zero people. Right. At least a hand. And I I thought one person got a hand on him no, in the replay. No there was oh. nobody that got even a hand on him. You have a lot of room to play with, and nobody touches the running back on a dive on third down after a big turnover, and they score an easy touchdown with, I do believe, like three minutes left in the second quarter. That was yeah. the last time they scored. And it, that's that's why you lost that game yeah. at the end of the day because the defense didn't show up, and your offense it was just bogged down. Whether part of that was Rodgers, and I don't want to overstate how well did uh, San Francisco's defense Yeah, did. San Francisco's I, defense looked like they were locking down. Like, that's it's going to be a defense that's going to be hard to beat if you're the Chiefs, if they play the same way they played against uh, the Packers. Sorry, I just think it's tough because like LaFleur was getting so much credit all year, but it was like, was it really LaFleur or was it just Aaron Rodgers coaching on the field? It because, was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, I just this game shows that. You know, I mean, it almost felt like a Aaron, you know, let's put a comparison to it. It almost felt like that Kobe Bryant game mm-hmm. where Kobe Bryant was like, all right, media, you're going to say that I do everything. I'll let my teammates do it, and then you'll see the end result. And that's what it felt like. It felt like like everybody was like, oh, the floor, the floor, the floor. And Aaron Rodgers was like, all right, you want to give him all the credit? Let's let him X's and O's. Yeah, but that's a bad time to do it, especially when you want revenge on the Niners. I mean, I know people <laughs> yeah. work in mysterious ways. I mean, listen, Kobe Bryant did it in some of the weirdest goddamn times in the world yeah. and just to prove a point, and but, he did it. But I just think this goes back to Rodgers and his ego, and I think that – they he knew going into that week, yeah, that he was going to have problems going. I mean, obviously, earlier in the season, different ball game, different story. This game, though, they got punched in the mouth by a team that was hungrier, yep, and a team that wanted to establish themselves as a true legitimate threat to win a Super Bowl title. The Packers got in there. I'm not saying Rodgers was overconfident because I don't think he was. No, I truly think though he was overpressing and he was trying to do it all by himself. That there was a discord between him and Lafleur, somewhere in that game, something was not clicking, and I don't know who's to blame, and I'm not going to finger point. End result is when you're down 27 nothing at halftime, and you're letting Morset look like Barry Sanders. I mean, a guy that was cut by the Bears, cut by six teams, yeah, and ends up on your practice squad. And, and was a PUP for the first six weeks of the year until they activated him week 10. Yeah. I mean. Good thing they did. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, my fantasy team appreciated it, but not a lot of other people, you know, even realized he was there. But, and got credit to him. Again, the offensive line is a beast, mm-hmm. and their skill players blocking is the what separates the run game. Oh, absolutely. John Lynch, and we praise him all the time, and he deserves Can't it. give him enough credit. We Look at I what he's gave built. so much trash to him. And the game plan that he had and the team that he has built is obviously, uh, again, it's a a vision of himself on the field. Yeah, and it's going to be a fun one to watch on the Super Bowl Sunday. Over, under, Kettle has the best media row week for this team. No. Or who do you think does? Oh, for their team? Oh, oh, for San Francisco. For San Francisco, yeah, yeah, probably. I think he'll he'll have the most fun, but honestly, I think it's going to be between Richard Sherman. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Richard Sherman. Bosa. 
and Garoppolo. I'll say Sherman, Sherman's definitely got some room to talk some smack, especially after everything that happened last year I, got let go by Seattle, you know, and everything that's happened. The fact that he's in a Super Bowl, like, you you got room to talk, my friend. And all the chirping with him and Revis this week, you know, mm-hmm. will be talked about. I think Bosa, you know, just because he is a personality unto himself. I yeah. mean, from the minute he was drafted where he said those controversial things about San Francisco, you know, so you don't know what he'll do with a mic in front of him. Uh, Kittle, but I also think Garoppolo is going to have some fun. You know, the the uh, pretty boy QB, you know, it's going to be a lot of talk of him with New England. There's going to be a lot of questions in regard to that that he's going to get asked. Um, so I think that that will be for, for some interesting clippings, but I would put it between those three, Kittle, Sherman, Garoppolo. He'll get asked questions about New England, but you got to remember three quarters or, you know, 65% of the people that are at media day aren't asking, what do you think about Bill Belichick? What do you think is going to happen to Tom Brady? They're asking what they're going to ask. What do you think is going on with the Royal family over in England? It's the most like asinine yeah. random questions. I will say this though. The, the thing that you will probably, if there's a, any smart uh, reporter there to ask questions, you almost the one smart the, market. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only wrong, the, wrong, the wrong only time. the only yeah exactly the only the only thing that they would ask that I think would be related to New England is hey you you sat behind somebody in New England and you know what it's like to prepare for this game so right that, but he I has think, that he has that capability but I think he'll have fun with it because yeah. he already knows what it's like not not to necessarily play on the field but he knows what it's like to be on a winning team right exactly so it's it's a, once you're on a winning team you have that in your system and it's kind of like okay you know what to do you've been there it's you don't have to act like it you're welcome sir. Francisco. Yeah, well, well for hey, real. I mean, hey, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the kid had to play, you know. Uh, but if we're if we you know we're being honest, we're going into that game. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. That's well, gonna be a fun Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I mean, they always yeah. talk about that week and uh, you know preparing it, and coaches always you know never know how to handle it. But it's like it's it's very interesting because obviously Kyle Shanahan has Super Bowl experience now and seen maybe how not to run a team during the week. Uh, Andy Reid has been to a Super Bowl lost seen what it was like to operate that week so he knows it so both coaches are going in with like experience already which I think is fun because last year with McAvey and Belichick you could see that Belichick already had a control in the situation so he already knew what was going into it and you know McAvey unfortunately just it not necessarily might have been overwhelming to him but he wasn't prepared mentally for what that week was going to be so I think on the flip side of this both coaches having experience um preparing for a Super Bowl will help keep the focus on the field. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Super Bowl is going to be February 2nd, 6.30 p.m. So let me ask this. One-word answers, because we're going to deep dive into it next week. Does anybody want to say their early predictions? No. No. Uh, Well, I I won't say an early prediction because I think it's just going to be a great game, but I will say, because I won't be here next week, I will say that I I am definitively rooting for the 49ers because, uh, you know, I can't root for Kansas City. As an Oakland Raiders fan, you just can't I say go red. And also, yeah, red's good. Bet on on red. Usually you say bet on black, but in this case, bet on red for sure. But no, uh, seriously, I I cannot go for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm going to go to the the partners on the other side of the bay, even though it's usually the women's side of the bay, and – let them go. I, well, actually, we can't say that next season. No, hey, whoa. Yeah. I'm listen. So I, I actually uh, loved Steve Young growing up. So I'm gonna put my breadbasket with the Niners as well. 
but I mean, I could see Kansas City. Oh yeah, this game. I can see I can see either team winning. I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, hopefully it's not one of those ones where take the somebody over. falls away. <laughs> oh yeah, that's take my the, take, take the, the over. Uh, take the points for sure. Uh, but at the same point in juncture, I I, I I'm going to be rooting for the Niners for those reasons. But I can see either team winning this. This is sure. going to be this is going to be a game to watch. It could turn into a shootout. However, it could also be a defensive game if, if both Shit, the teams. You know what? And I love Steve Spagnola. I don't know. I'm torn. <laughs> well, like I said, we got all next week to talk, all right. to talk about it. Just Meteor Row is going to be on. I can't wait to see Kelsey get down there. I'm sorry, the Ohio accent swagger. Bring it on. I can't wait yeah. to see him. On. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Kelsey fan. So what I, I listen. I don't blame <laughs> you. I love the style football he plays. Just but when when you talk to his brother. And then you put the two of them next to each other. I still didn't believe when they did the interviews yeah. that they were brothers because here's Jason Kelsey, and he's like, yeah, you know, we were growing up in uh, Ohio, and it was a lot Travis of fun. Travis just got swag. And then Travis, yo, yo, yeah, we grew up in Ohio, baby. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, like, what the fuck? You can't, you're the same people. He's just got swagger for days. I, I guess I, I guess it's the offensive lineman versus the tight end. You it, know? It, it could be. I mean, that's just how it is. But, you know, I can't wait to see media row and just the crazy questions get asked. I'm expecting Kettle to get asked a lot of wrestling questions. Sure, absolutely. And they, if WWE was smart, they would have a media presence down there. I hope which they, they are smart. We yeah, know that. Yeah, I'm just trying to think who they could send down. Well, isn't the game on Fox? Yeah. Oh, come on! Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, what is it? WWE backstage is going to be there. Oh, oh there oh, you no go. Said. All right, no so, so they're, they're CM, already ahead of the just, game. Just send CM Punk over. It'll be all right. <laughs> oh, Punk on Media Row. Yes, please. Oh, that's, let's make that happen. I, I think because he's a Fox employee, it works out even better. Uh-huh. Not great, correct, because yeah. he's not associated yeah, with he's WWE. A, he's a Fox employee. Fox so that works employee. Out. So much to watch this week on Media Row, but definitely hit us up on our hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the conference games? Did the right teams get there, and who's your early pick? Because we're not going to hold you to it till next week. But who's your early pick to win the Super Bowl? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, host of the Kobe Told Me podcast. It's my whenever I want to deep dive with the Mac himself, where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure. This is my 30 minutes or less solo pod, keeping it real with reviews, sometimes movie news, and an always dope box office breakdown. I'm the best subjectively objective film critic in the game, and when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me. Peace. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast with Rich from Three Fat Nerds joining our show. Mm-hmm. So this past weekend, we all got together. It was a hashtag 607 podcast takeover. Sitting in attendance to watch the big fight that went down, UFC 246, and the return of one Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. And not to say that I told you guys so, <sighs> but I told you so. 
Pad, why don't you break it down? Yeah, so of course UFC 246 uh, took place this past weekend out at the T-Mobile Arena down in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, reported attendance was a little over 19,000 people. Uh, total gate was $11 million. In, uh, the, you had the big main event, Donald Cowboy Cerrone taking on Conor McGregor. Could he defeat the Mystique? You know, stop the hype train that was Conor McGregor. Could Conor come back and, and show, hey, I still got it. You know, I haven't lost a step. And Conor came back and defeated uh, Donald Cerrone in the first round uh, TKO via punches. 40 seconds. Coach, the floor is yours. I mean, I what I, I, I told you guys so. I was right. Y'all were wrong. I'm smart. Y'all dumb. I'm handsome. <laughs> wait, I'm, wait a minute. I'm, I'm sorry. Who's the defending two-time defending locks and leaps? Hey, whatever. That's locks and leaps, baby. This <laughs> is time. this is two time UFC talk here. I uh, yeah. I mean, I went into the fight not necessarily nervous, but like I said, I was apprehensive about the new Connor. You know, this this calm, cool, collective, praising his opponent. Not chirping, not bashing, not bad talking, not smack talking, none of this. Handshakes, properness, proper 12, proper 11, proper 13, you know, the whole proper gimmick, you know, and all of a sudden here he came into the octagon and right off the bat, Superman punch right out the gate that he misses. And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Then he catches him with that knee off the Superman punch. And then I'm like, all right, we're back in this. And then the shoulder her around the world that, you know, everybody is crediting Connor for, you know, mastering this move, even though John has done it for years. Yep. Nate, Nate Diaz. Diaz has done it for yeah, years. But those guys did it in a different way. Right, those right. Those guys were mostly doing it when they were clinched and, and, and hooked. This was total, like, offensive driving your shoulder into someone's oh, face. Yeah, this which was, was. It's not illegal. It was actually really good. It was a good game plan. It threw off Cowboy quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, the second one, if you can watch the replay or find it, you'll literally see it. He hits him with the first one. You know, Cerrone stays in there. Then he hits him with the second one, and you, you see Cerrone, like, look at him like, what are you doing, motherfucker? Motherfucker, like, he, what is this? He thought the first one was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, second the second one, one he was, was like, like oh, go check this motherfucker out. And then, you know, from there, it was just the head kick and then pure and utter domination on the floor. And, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and I'm going to follow Connor's um, role, you know, leadership here with the calm, cool, and collectiveness. So I'm not going to say, you know, give me Mazdival, give me Khabib, give me a championship fight. No, no, no. Let's weigh our options. You know, Connor's camp. Let's let's see what's out there. Connor said that he wants to fight three more times. So let's see what's there in March and and, and take the next fight. I think I think Coach was very telling when he didn't say, "Come on, Usman." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, uh, I mean, I want listen as a Connor fan. I want nothing to do with Mazival. As we were talking that night of the fight, the man legitimately scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was watching him in the pre-fight interview on ESPN, sitting there uncomfortable listening to him talk because he scares me all the way from Las Vegas. I am legitimately fearful of this man. And then Usman, again, I can't say enough about how angry he fights. That would be a scary shit fight. Connor's ribs wouldn't be able to take the punishment. Well, I mean, yeah, there, you can't say to a certain degree there is a, you know, Connor's turned over a new leaf. But I think in regards to his respect for Cerrone, I don't think that was part of any, like, new leaf he's turned over. I think that was genuine because, yeah. because Cerrone, like we've said before, is a cat unlike anyone else in mixed martial arts. And that, you know, not just UFC, Bellator, you know, any, any other organization you want to look at where... 
He's one of few people that, like, drop of a dime, fire backs out for whatever reason. If he's in that weight class, he's ready to go. So I think, to a certain degree, Connor's got respect for that because he's a gamer. He's a fighter. You know, no mess, no fuss. You know, when's the fight? You know, where is it? All right, I'm there. You know, and, and you know, is he back? Yeah, maybe. I mean, he, he certainly didn't look like he lost a step. But, you know, and it's like I've said in past episodes and I've told people. You want to be considered one of the greatest fighters of all time. Show up sometime before the Winter Olympics in 2022. Don't go on this hiatus where you got to work on your your whiskey brand or whatever else you're working on outside the octagon. Don't go chasing, you know, Manny Pacquiao. Don't go chasing Floyd Mayweather again or anybody else. Stay in the UFC. Go on a run. Win a couple belts. Win multiple belts. You know, but enough of this outside venture stuff. Work on the outside venture stuff in between camps, but not so the fact that it takes you like multiple years off in between fights. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, the only other issues we had on Saturday night was the streaming service was a little overwhelmed, uh, a little atrocious, I'd say. Oh, it, it was worse. It was worse than BR Live. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was worse. Than... I mean, it was it was frustrating. I mean, it really got to the point where I mean. Uh, you know, I was or my father-in-law was here. We were watching the fight. We're Apple guys, you know, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my god, you know, Will, is, you know, he's gonna get impatient here. Like, oh shit, you know, uh, you guys were rocking the Roku, which is whatever, you know. And I'm like, all think, right. Think of it was though, is it wasn't, you know, we we weren't sure at first sure. what was the issue, but then when Nostradamus was watching off his phone, his his phone quit. The stream, right. the stream on his phone quit. So, you know, to the folks at ESPN, all right, I realized that this was kind of the first true test of how good your servers are for ESPN Plus because, yeah, they've done, I don't know how many pay-per-views with ESPN Plus since the deal took over. Quite a few now. Quite a few. But this is the first real test that they've had where it's a name that casuals will, you know, all come to watch. And it showed you need a little bit of work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That I think this was a true test of a superstar coming back and what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So obviously with McGregor and, and what's happened outside the cage to see him come back and look as poised and composed as he did. I was very happy to see because now it's, Oh, were you a Cerrone fan? I was happy to see him. Well, <laughs> I, I would say this, I, I, I take nothing away from Cerrone because he got caught with one. He took a shoulder str- strike to the nose and it either broke his orbital or broke his nose. Gave, out, if out I saw shot. right, it gave him either a six or nine month medical suspension. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Well, holy well, cow. Yeah, he's out six to nine months. The, the, wor- the word you're looking for when you're talking about Cerrone is, is gatekeeper. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a gatekeeper. Uh, I will say this, and I said it at the fight, and uh, I, I, st- I stick by it. A lot of the guys who, who fight in the 170 division are guys who walk around every day at like 200 pounds and they drop 20 to 30. 30 pounds just to fight in that division. Connor is naturally there and he looked good. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he's he's not he, he could get a little more jacked and still be there. I, and he yeah. looked he looked phenomenal coming into the fight. Uh what turned me into uh rooting for Connor in this fight, other than I wanted to pick on uh uh coach, uh, but then there was that horrible promo for Cerrone That's, and I, I was like I'm brutal out. I, t- I, I tap I tap out and then uh, I'm I'm rooting for McGregor. But, uh, no, I, he looked phenomenal, and I, I really think that if he would like to stay there, I don't know if it would be such a disadvantage for him. I mean, if you're going to be naturally at that and you can come and you can bring the what we saw in that fight against any of those other guys, yeah. I don't know if they're that scary compared to that. Well, I mean, I'd like to see him fight another 170 guy. I don't want to see him fight the two top guys right away, but I'd like to see him fight another 170 guy. If he could do that again, I'm telling you, he could be a very realistic threat 
to uh, Mazdaval or to Usman, especially Usman for the belt. I mean, it is realistic. Let's be honest. He looked amazing, not just fighting, but look at look how shredded and ripped he was. He, was, he looked huge. So I took in a lot of content after the fight was in uh, over because I, I was still on the high of the fight. So mm-hmm. uh, Shale Sonnen on his Facebook page or YouTube page did a lot of comment commenting about this fight in different various videos. I pretty much took them all in. And the biggest one that I, I you know, took away from was the fact that Connor, for being a year and a half off, looked the most poised that he had in the octagon fight in his career, and the fact that he might debunk the idea of needing to cut weight to fight at your best, which would be amazing because for years, you know, and I mean, I have, you know, and you have a son wrestling, and I have a four-year-old who is looking to wrestle, and my fear is when he gets of the age that if he doesn't put on weight and, and build that, you know, they'll want him to fight at or wrestle, you know, at that lower weight class where he does need to make cuts. And as a father, that scares the shit out of me. Well, the schools have got a little better. They have, and they have, which is great. But still, though, like, I still have that fear of, you know, if he can fight at a lower weight class, that if it's within reason that they'll ask him to do it. And I don't want him to do that because I, you know, I want him to play other sports. Um, but, you know, when you talk about the fact that guys in the UFC, fight, you know, walk around at 200, you know, Brock Lesnar was a great example of a guy who would literally weigh 300 and would need to cut he down to get to get to 265. But then on fight day is probably at 285 going into a fight. Um, and John Jones is another example of a guy who walks around 225 who cuts down to 205. So these guys are, are yeah, you know, they're doing it safe in the right way, but they're cutting weight and they're fighting at a peak. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time the fight week comes on, that Connor was able to build up. Which is totally different because the last time we talked about fighting with weight on and how difficult that would be, but that's because he wasn't doing it right in that first Diaz fight because he was bloated and looked heavy. Yeah, he looked puffy. This, he looked, like you were saying, jacked out of his freaking mind. Like, he looked like a dude that you would see down the street and you'd be like, that's not a fighter. That's like, that's got to be a bodybuilder of some sort. But to that point, I know it's failed in the the past, but to the point is you have... As if you're cutting weight, no matter if you're doing it right, wrong, or indifferent, you're still sacrificing something of yourself. Exactly. Especially if your natural weight is 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 a little higher. And yeah, you're going to put on, but even putting that that poundage on isn't going to help you necessarily in the long run because basically it can make you feel lethargic. There could be a lot of things, but that's just how fighters and wrestlers and everybody have done it forever. Forever. If Connor can prove that, hey, I walk around normally somewhere between 160 and 170, and all I really have to do is just eat a little more to hit <laughs> 170. And get, or get a little more jacked and just stay there. Right. This you could be talking about a guy who's losing less than five pounds to stay in that weight. And if he's fighting at that level, it could be scary because it's not like he's not a fighter. It's not like he's not a good fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. There's nobody has ever said he's not a good oh, yeah, fighter. No, he absolutely. is a very good fighter. He, he obviously look at the accolades in his career, and he's not scared to go against something and go against the norm. Yeah. Obviously, he went in there and boxed with Floyd Mayweather, arguably pound for pound the greatest boxer ever lived. Facts. No matter how you look at the guy. He's the only undefeated boxer in the modern era of boxing who actually goes out there and still does it. And, and, and so it, it's kind of like, hey, you got to counter those those, those those credits. So I'm thinking that if he really wants to stay in 170, I think that's where the money is. That's that's a division full of killers. And if you want to leave your mark in the UFC, if you want to leave your mark in MMA, and I know Connor already has, but that third division weight class belt oh, in a God. division full of killers, can you imagine if he can put himself in contention, take the belt off of Usman, he, go, he can arguably say, hey, I'm the greatest 
MMA fighter of all time. He really arguably could I mean, at that point. Personally, I would like to see that Khabib second fight just because I want to see him get his win back. I don't think he can necessarily do it, but I would like to see him in oh, the octagon. Can. Yeah, well, I mean, as a Conor fan, yes, yeah. I think he is. I'm trying to be, you know, the down-the-middle, you know, podcaster here. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, as a Conor diehard, oh, yeah, he can win any fight in the world. You know, put him in there with John. But I'm just saying, yeah, like, I don't that. <laughs> yeah, I don't that. That, that was a little too far. But all right, all right, all right. right, right. Well, I'm a Connor Honer. Connor versus Cain Velasquez. Book Do it. it. <laughs> Book it now. No, but I mean, I just, I really think that I want to see the Khabib fight because I want to see Connor in a f- good frame of mind, in a good state of mind, go into that fight against somebody that he does have animosity with. Um, but at the same time, I think the 170 division is there. And yeah, I think he needs one more fight at 170. And then I would like to see because I would like to see Usman and Mazdival go. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if they can line, so the the problem is time. That that's what we're working against right now is time. So if Connor fights again in March, and Mazdival and Usman, you know, right now is probably projected sometime in the summer. I, I would say May. Yeah, well, Rub, that's, we, could, we, could de- we could get a December one seven. Yeah, I think we could get a December. You know, could, but the problem is Connor wants to fight four time or three times this year. Well, so if you give him March, that's a really long way off from March to December for him, especially if Usman and Mazdival go in July or the May. Other, the other thing you got to factor in, and this is an unknown factor, is okay. Some of these some of these guys are fighting before this proposed Connor fight. You're kind of banking on the fact that let's hope none of them break a leg, well, exactly, break an arm, because all of a sudden your whole you know game plan and, and time plan is up in smoke. Well, and that's why that's us working against time is the problem. Well, let's break this down though, because after the fight, Connor. Did a, a typical Connor promo and called out everybody in the building. It was t- well, it, it was t- it was t- compared, t- but, but, yeah. but it was typical for him to call out. And it, That's what I'm fu- and it was in fun. And it was in fun. He did yeah. the, 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 the 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 only insulting line if you really think about it, and it was it was kind of throwaway. But he did say the guy that walks around with a make believe belt. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, well, no, and but, I, but I liked what you said. Well, uh, that Vince always says the you know you give the fans what they want versus what they expect. Yeah, yeah. Give, what's that? What go ahead, Rich? Say what? Uh, that? Basically, well, Vince has always said that he doesn't give the fans what they expect. He gives them what he knows they want. Right. And in, the, in the long in the long run of things, and people will criticize that, but it's true. I mean, time and time again, it is proven true. So with the with the whole thing with Connor, it, it, he's kind of followed that because obviously he stole the walk from Vince, yeah, which right. he admitted. <laughs> which is great. He admitted. Uh, he admitted made it, it which his is own. Yeah. He made it his own, which is fine. It, it, and now. He he just calls it the billionaire strap because he, he took it from Vince. I mean, he is a wrestling fan, which honestly, if he really wants to get that other fight in, I mean, I heard Brock Lesnar's looking for an opponent. I mean, <laughs> All right, listen. It out well, there. anything could happen there, but like I was saying, <laughs> so he did his typical call outs. Yeah. But then, but everybody. that's me saying, like, all right, Connor was what he was this week. But he knew what the fans were looking for, and it was that moment exactly. Yeah, but no, he yeah. said across all divisions when he oh. started getting in, he he mentioned he mentioned Diaz in there. There was yeah, a well, mentioned. Be mentioned. There. Well, that's why I want to break down though, because after the fight, Dana had his typical press uh, junket there and was mentioning he really wants to see Habib Connor too. It's gonna mm-hmm. cost him a hundred mil. Yeah, I mean, obviously the buy rates he was talking was like three million buy rates, which I think are something. probably close. It, it could be somewhere around there. But now this is where the timeline, this is to kind of touch back on what you're talking about. So we are in January now. We do know that Habib is going to fight Tony Ferguson. Hopefully. If the fight gods bless us in April. We do know that after that, it's kind of wide open. Now, Masvidal versus Usman is rumored to be getting worked out at this point. Right. It's May. It's May. Uh, Roughly, we'll we'll say. We'll we'll just just, project that. Yeah. We'll, We'll project May. 
Justin Gaethje is currently without an opponent, and his name was not mentioned at the fight on Saturday. I think I just found a date. Okay. Fourth of July. It's a Saturday. All right, so... We'll- you want to get the biggest buy rate of the darn century in the company's history? But... Holiday... Everyone's off. Ain't nobody got to be Yo, worrying about work Connor on, on, on the Fourth of July. Well, would be let me, fireworks. Let me, but who does let, he fight on the Fourth of July? Yeah. Well, see, that's where I'm kind of breaking yeah. down. Because that week too, if I, memory serves me right, and please correct me on uh, ODPH social media if I'm wrong about this, that's International Fight Week. Yeah, it is. So that is the biggest events going on for the UFC. Yeah, that card's that always week. stacked. Yeah. So here would be my question: In the 155 division, you have a possible title match against the winner, Habib versus Tony Ferguson, if that fight does happen. You have Justin Gaethje sitting there as well. I know he mentioned Paul Felder. I don't see that fight happening in any which way, shape, or form. That was the guy that was at the desk right, right. doing the commentary. Yeah, yeah. On the 170 side, you have Jorge Masvidal. You have Kamal Usman. You have anybody else you want to throw in that mix. Plus, you have one Nate Diaz sitting behind Twitter right now taking shots and trying to throw his name in the hat. So let me start with Pat. If you're the UFC, what fight do you make with Conor McGregor? Are we talking? Hold on. Oh, I have no goddamn idea. I was going to say, are you talking, before we ask the question, are you talking in the time frame that Conor's talking possibly fighting in March, or are you talking July 4th? I'll give you both. Or can you do a mixture of both? I'll give you both. All right, all right. I just want to know before. I mean, if we're talking July 4th, you give him Habib because, you know, if you, if for those who haven't seen, Habib's father did an interview with somebody, and, and he came out, oh, yeah, we'd love to fight Conor again, you know, a revenge fight, but you're going to have to pay us $100 million. You want to guarantee the biggest buy rates in the company history to shatter every, possibly shatter every record with pay-per-views and buy rates and whatever else you want to say? You know, f- put them on 4th of July. You want a stacked card for fight week? That card sells itself. If that's the headlining card. You don't even got to do an, you know, a big, you know, movie theater, you know, trailer guy voiced over with it. You just got to do like a black and white, you know, kind of like found footage type thing of, of Habib hopping over the fence, and then just show, you know, the poster that sells itself. All right, so you're saying Habib, yeah, Fourth of July, yeah. I think that it's tough because I think it's the best and worst case scenario because I mean, obviously, if it's March, then I think you got to go somebody who is available that can take the fight in a 12-week span in a camp and be ready, which would probably be Nate Diaz. But on the flip side of that, if Connor loses, that takes everything off the table with Mazdival, takes everything off the table with Usman, and then you're left with what do you do next with him as far as his third fight depending on medical suspension. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, to me, it would be whoever's in the 170 division that would be enough to get a buy rate, which Connor can do on his own. But at the same time, is uh, a comfortable enough opponent that you know you probably feel like Connor can win, and that's just that's booking. I mean, that's just yeah. being smart. I get that. Here's what I, I here's how I go with it. If you wanted to see Connor, if he's going to be tested at 170, and you possibly want to see him in a title fight this year at 170, and we want to see that test, I think in March you really do Nate Diaz. And the reason why is a, it's a huge buy rate, sure, huge buy rate. But the secondly, it would be the test. If he can beat Diaz at 170, that puts him in a legitimate line yeah, to take fair. on the winner of a Mazaval Usman summer fight, possibly. Uh, here's the thing: July 4th, if we were just talking about it, could you could very well. On July 4th, have Mazdaval versus uh, Usman, and it's a huge card on Fight Week. 
I would say that if you are going to have Khabib versus Connor, it would have to be July 4th, which would not hurt him too much to do the 170 fight in March and to drop down for July. Sure. It might hurt him if he goes back. And that would also explain not doing four fights this year, just doing three and doing the one in December because that could bulk him back up to 170 to take on a possible winner of, of, of whoever's the, uh, uh, the the welterweight champion. Yeah. But uh, I that's the only time I would want to see Khabib versus – honestly, I – I know everybody wants to see the fight, but it's it to me. It's like it, one of two things is going to happen, and Khabib is such a fucking poor loser and, and poor winner because we've seen it both ways. That you know, no matter what happens, that's why they want so much money because I think Khabib knows that possibly Connor can beat him. Right. And well, here's the difference: I mean, you're going to have to pay a ton of money to Connor too because he's a smart businessman. If you're paying Khabib a hundred million, Connor's going to be like, "Wait a minute, you're going to have to pay me quite a bit of money as well." Those first two rounds, I mean, Connor was in that fight until he got gassed. And got stupid. And I will. I will also want to throw this out there. I will. I would mark out hardcore for a, a McGregor versus uh, uh, Khabib fight on Fourth of July. If 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 McGregor comes out in the half Irish, half American flag, oh yeah, to a, like a, a la Apollo Creed. Oh god, oh, god I and, love it. And that would and, and and that is right up McGregor's fucking. Alley, I would man. pop. That would so be the greatest. Hard. That would be the possibly the greatest moment. In, in the history of UFC and buy rates all over. But that's the only time I want to see that fight because you're obviously just going after a buy rate. Right. And that, I mean, but that's what the Khabib for a McGregor fight two would be. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing as the Diaz. McGregor fight three and two was to begin with, but but here's the thing with 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 Diaz fighting him now at 170, it's also a stepping stone for sure. a possible title fight for McGregor, and it's a perfect test. And because now that Diaz you said is that, a, makes is a, a legit sense. contender. So as uh, with Diaz being a legit contender, and you put Connor against him, a you're gonna get the buy rate because of history. Yep. But b the sub the, you it, literally if he wins. You're like he goes on. If he loses, that just means he just goes back down, and it's it's no big. It's not yeah. really a big problem. People aren't going to look upon Connor's larger than the sport as a whole at this point in juncture. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah. So therefore, he can go right back down, and you can. It won't affect the money of a Khabib fight. Well, so I really think that this would be a perfect time, or you could do that fight. And the, the only bad part is if you do that fight and he beats Diaz, he might then go shit. I have nothing to prove against Khabib. <laughs> I just want to fight 170. Uh, yeah. See, I would disagree. I think that I agree with you about Nate. Like, I agree. Ariel Hawani was saying the same thing, too. Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor, as much as I was saying prior, I didn't want to see this trilogy. At this stage right now, that is the fight you have to make okay. if, if you want to do the timeline. You have to make it for March. Nate desperately wants this fight. I think it makes the most sense, too, because they're yeah. both healthy. That's yeah. Oh yeah. That's the biggest thing. Well, that's you know? the thing. Connor came out of this unscathed, so he's ready to go. Nate, That shoulder is, might hurt a little bit. Yeah, Nate's, Nate's just ready. Nate's... <laughs> There are certain fighters that you just need to call up. A Diaz brother and Cerrone. If they can physically get out of bed, they will show up for a fight. Oh, you know you know, Diaz is getting out of bed no matter what. It might have to be after a blunt, but he's on. Yeah, he'll get off, yeah. I mean, personally, I want to see him fight. I want to see Connor Nick. That is the fight oh, I've been yeah. waiting oh. for for years. But unfortunately, that's I, I don't know if that how much that ends in the cards. I mean, I mean yeah, what is Nick even doing right now? Nick is just lounging. Yeah. yeah. Nick is just Nick kinda, hasn't fought in like well, how many years now? Doesn't matter. Nick would show up. Well, I know that, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's well, been years. I, I don't here's the thing. I don't know if that's the case though, because it, Nick has been offered to come back. Right. I don't know if he's just happy not getting punched in the face other than his brother. I, when he's yeah, well, I, well, what? I mean, well, I think that's that, what they do. I, you know? yeah, that's, well, that's, I think, hey, brother, pop. Well, that's why that BMF fight getting stopped was bullshit because let's be honest.
honest. I'm, I'm sure that Nick has done worse to Nate than, than that little <laughs> that cut. Little cut. Oh, He's like, yeah. that's nothing but a paper cut, asshole. Yeah, like, yeah. You should see what my brother did to me two weeks ago. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Nick is just sitting around waiting for a good fight because he is clear to come back if I'm not uh, mistaken by uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission. Nick Diaz hasn't fought a fight in five years. As Holy of, shit. As of next week. But you oh know what? God. But he was suspended for a while there. Yeah. Well, all right. That suspension still. is long, oh, no, long but, but since over That was like seven O's there yeah, on yeah, Pat's yeah, face yeah. if you didn't see that. But either way. That like was, That was the Anderson Silva fight <laughs> yeah, that was but, overturned. But after that, though, was like he. But Nate and Nick are both the same type of mentality. Sure. You, you have to get certain fighters for them to get up. Because remember, Nate took off how many years between I, fights? I think the biggest thing is, and what you guys have sold me on now, is the test. Mm-hmm. Because Cerrone, as much as it was a big comeback fight, <laughs> wasn't the launching pad or stepping stone because let's face it although Cerrone is a top 10 170 and has been for a long time as Sonnen was pointing out in the massive amount of videos that I watched the thing is is that he isn't a title fighting 170 Mm -hmm. so I think the Diaz fight is obviously the only thing that makes sense at this point because Mazdival and Usman needs to happen, yeah. period. Honestly, that has to happen. Depending upon what happens in in uh, when when is uh, Usman defending us Ferguson again? Uh, Khabib, Khabib against Ferguson's in oh, April. Khabib and Ferguson's April. So I mean that, w- that, that that's the other thing that could be a problem with the July Fourth fight between Khabib. Yeah, and who knows Connor. the damage? That who he knows takes. what's going to go on? Because let's be honest, Tony Ferguson could. I don't know if he'll beat him, but he could do damage. He could do a lot. Of he could do some damage to him. So to shoot a hole in your hole, Nick Diaz thing. Uh, I did some digging, and Gilbert Melendez went on the Chael Sonnen podcast uh, a year ago mm-hmm. and said, "Quote uh, this." Uh, so the article from MMA Junkie, uh, dated February sixth, twenty nineteen, says, "Quote after a reported comeback late last year, Nick Diaz has retired, according to his longtime friend and teammate Gilbert Melendez." Quote. Uh, Melendez said, "Quote: I would love to see him come back, but last time I checked, he's retired. But you know, likes, I think he just like smoking weed. But yeah, that's, that's the a, thing. Like, if you give him enough money, he'll come out. That, I was going to say that's the thing. If you gave him the right opponent and enough money, you would get him to come back. And but I have a hard time believing that might even be true. And the reason I say that is because I know how much." Dana White has a hard on for Nick Diaz. Oh yeah, he loves Nick Diaz. Right, yeah. he knows that. As a matter of fact, you know, other than just recently when he finally admit, admitted that Nate Diaz moves the needle, yeah, he finally admitted that he has always said he's not his brother. He's not his brother. Nick, right. You know, at the end of the day, Nate is not Nick. Nick is Nick is you know. So he has a hard. So that, it's hard for me to believe that he hasn't approached him a bunch of times with big money fights oh, and yeah. big money people. It is. It makes it hard for me to believe. That's why I'm thinking that somehow, some way, and I'm not saying the fights out of him. I think he enjoys more training his brother. Yeah, and right. the other guys in the scrap pack that are still out there fighting and, and sitting back and not having to worry about fights. Now, mind you, if there was a tasty enough fight, I believe he would come back. Thank, if yeah, there was somebody, if there was somebody who crossed the line either personally, if there was, so if you really want it, you book that Nate Diaz Conor McGregor fight. If McGregor beats Nate that bad, maybe Nick comes out of retirement. Yeah, <laughs> Nate, Nate, Nick I mean, just the vengeance for his brother was yeah. Kane Undertaker here. You never know, but it could, <laughs> think about it. That, that, yeah, that, sure. That, I mean, listen, if somebody could beat happen. the shit out of my brother's head twice and talked a lot of shit doing it, that yeah. would be enough for me to say, I want this guy I would have put money on, if Mazdaval would have talked the shit he normally talks in the Diaz fight, right. it would have become personal like the Askren fight was personal. If that was personal, that would have been able to, enough to get Nick to come Yeah, back. Nick Nick was toying with the idea. Like There was a lot of rumbling after the, the Nate fight that Nick was thinking of like, hey, if you want a real challenge, it almost and honest and, and quite honestly, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't care that he's had five years off. I, I believe that that Nick Diaz could probably beat Jorge Masvidal. 
I think the Nick, it, I think the Nick Diaz could be Usman. And I'm not saying obviously a good training camp getting back in, but Nick Diaz is that good. Yeah. yeah. Like like I mean, having the time off might be the best thing for him because yeah, his body is the is the is completely healthy. You know, right? That yeah. A, that could be a dangerous fight for whoever took that fight. My my so my thing is though is that what from what we're the timeline that we have here and mm-hmm. our ODPH timeline of of UFC bouts. Yeah. I think that what ultimately has now <laughs> popped in my head here is so. Connor, after uh, that discussion, that interview with Ariel, said that he has a one-fight deal, that he has signed a contract extension, but every fight is renegotiable. So He wants to make that money, He baby. wants to make that money. Yeah. So basically, he, depending on whoever they book in March with him, so let's just say it is Diaz, and let's just say that he beats him, whether it's you know decision or if it's just a straight-up ass-whooping. He gets the okay? He literally, and then whatever happens with Khabib Ferguson, and then whatever happens with Mazdival, uh and Usman, he literally has everything. The ball, like literally Dana will have to fucking back the trucks up well, to get that, him to fight That's next. what I was just going to say. The thing is, and this is a good place to be, and this is why some of these things might happen. If you have him fight, and I think in his mind, if you were to talk to Connor now, I think Nate Diaz would be his pick as well. Yeah. It would prove it. Because if he picks Nate Diaz, he could technically have two title fights this year. Yep. And I bet you $100 right now at this table, if Khabib loses to Ferguson, which I don't think is going to happen, but if he does... I guarantee that that Connor Khabib fight isn't happening unless they drop off two hundred million to Connor's house because I think that the only way he would take that fight in July title. and then take the fight in December against uh, the welterweight title is that both have both belts. Yeah, he yeah. wants to be two, that, double that, champ. That is what he would do it for. He it's not going. It would be about money as well. Don't get me wrong. All oh, it's going to yeah, be about money. Yeah. But at the same point in juncture, he is a guy who does. Hunt, there's a part of Connor that hunts belts because he knows that if he wins them in enough divisions, it makes him one of the greatest MMA fighters well, of all. And it puts his name there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it puts his name draw. on that title belt, uh-huh. and that never goes away. That's and right. He, and he becomes the draw. Not that he already isn't, but if you can keep throwing more gas on that fire. And but let that's the burn. problem, though. I mean, if literally he does this, then, I mean, like imagine you're Dana, mm-hmm. and Connor now has these three, two victories, and you've got two title fights coming up, and you're like, hey, Connor, I know that you just beat Nate Diaz. You just beat Cerrone. Uh, we got Khabib lined up here, uh, you know, at this time, and we have uh, Mazival or Usman lined up Take here. What do you want to do? I and th- if I'm Connor, I'm saying both. Both, but pay me. And oh, then that's oh, when he's getting paid. That's oh. when Dana's got to say, eek. <laughs> I know. I think Dana says, okay, we're going to do the Habib fight. Because well, the, the stories are, no, no. I think that Dana is hellbent and Highwater convinced, and he would give a blank check. But, but that's the thing, though. That's what I'm saying. Like He worked he a deal. Would, yeah. he, basically, here's the blank check for a 4th of July fight with Khabib, and then I'll pay you a lot of money to fight whoever wins Usman, Mazdaval, but it, it, it's not going to be as much as the Khabib fight. Yeah. And, and honestly, as long as that paycheck is big enough for Connor, and once again, if Khabib is going to literally ask for $100 million, if they were literally pay him $100 million, I'm telling you, the bigger draw there is not Khabib. Right. Yeah. It isn't. No matter what, it's not Khabib because – Everybody's gonna tune. Everybody tuned in the Everybody first fight Connor. because Connor talked all that shit. Fucking rocket. right, right. Yeah. And then you're gonna tune into this fight because everybody wants to see Connor get the win back. Right. Or the people who hate Connor, they want to see him get his face smashed. Yeah. Which is either way, of them right wait, wait. You said there's, there's, it's half and half yeah. with him. So either way, that's that's the money makers, Connor McGregor. It's not Khabib. 
Khabib is not a moneymaker because he doesn't move. Honestly, sorry, he doesn't move the needle. He's a very good fighter, but he's not Conor McGregor. So, And that's why you could do two title shots no matter what happens in a fight with Conor McGregor because nobody will care at the end of the day <laughs> that, that he got his ass kicked at 155 if Khabib wins and he's going against Usman or Mazdaval in December because they're like, it's Conor McGregor. And he's 170, not 155. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody cares. There's so many possibilities that can go on with Conor, but at the end of the day... He got his win. He's back on his winning track now. ESPN, fix your shit. Yeah, ESPN needs to fix it. I was, I'm telling you, like I've said this before with other streaming platforms, I've had issues. I know the Net, WWE Network has its issues. BR Live has its issues. Call up Netflix. Now, I, a couple, <laughs> of, call, couple of years ago, Netflix was like a third of all internet traffic. Like a third of everyone on the internet was going to Netflix. You're not ESPN Plus. You're not in direct competition with Netflix. So I can't imagine if you call up the folks at Netflix and say, hey, can you give us some help? Can you give us some pointers on this? Well, they kind of are with Disney. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you're reaching. I, I know. I know. I know. We were switching gears here. We're, we're, we're closing up, but we did forget about one more important thing that happened at UFC 246. That is that the Las Vegas Raiders are courting their new quarterback. Tom ah. Brady. Oh. That's for him. <laughs> that, that the Jim <laughs> Carrey, the Jim Carrey lookalike Mark Davis was awful chummy. <laughs> I, just, was, I just want to point out, 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 out of all the celebrities, they showed that were in that attendance who got the biggest pop. Tom, Damn right. Tom Brady. The best part is how about Dana White in uh, the press conference afterwards when he said that uh, he could see Tom Brady going to the Las Vegas oh, Raiders. I mean, he said he he was and he was around them when they were talking. It's so all work anyway. It is all a work. It's, it's all work. It's I, just, I just I just wanna, I just want to upset uh, Pat a little bit. I just uh, want to know if Brady got a random drug test from the NFL the following day because there was a photo. I think Dana White <laughs> tweeted it out or posted or whatever uh, after the fight worth Brady meeting. I think was who was in the audience was it Cheech. Yeah, I, I just want Tommy, oh, Tommy Chung. Tom, Tommy, Tommy Chung, Chung was there. Was there yeah. I just want to make sure how Baker Mayfield's ego is doing too, because that was a big shot. That must yeah. have been painful. I, I, I got to also put out there, ba- Baker Baker Mayfield, man. Uh, he was wearing the hat, but then he got up shown by Usman too, because <laughs> he had a goofy hat. But nobody tops goofy hats with Usman. Nobody can top yeah. Usman. That, I, I, that's a scary man, by the way. I will say Usman's scary because think about how goofy he normally dresses and goofy he acts, and then all of a sudden when the when, when it's time to fight, man, he becomes a killer. I don't know. He's a scary guy. It's scary. Yes, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, what can you say about Usman? <laughs> uh, yeah, please don't give us any smoke about this, Mr. Usman. Yo, <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey, he had his hands full on Twitter that night, so I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I pity that it fool that decided to go provoke him because I want no part of yeah, I don't want no, no part of Usman. But definitely, UFC 246 lived up to the hype of the main event. The undercard was kind of what it was. Yeah. Nothing really yeah. to kind of write home about. But for Conor McGregor fans, the king is back. And where he goes from here, that's the big question. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. Who does Conor fight next? And what did you think of the fight? Is he, real, is he really back? Or was this a fluke win? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Cody. And I'm Christian. And we're Nerds with Friends. Not just two nerds who have some friends. No. We're your hosts for the podcast, Nerds with Friends. We cover any topic that people can nerd out over, from TV, movies, and comics, to conventions, tabletop RPGs, and much more. Nerds with Friends comes out every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And of course, on our website, NerdsWithFriendsPodcast.com. Join us every week as we confess our nerdy confessions and talk about the latest in nerdy news. And remember, you're not alone. You're with friends. This is Nerds with Friends. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. It's a heartbreak soul shape radio attack. Take it all steps forward, no steps back. Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up and coming newest podcast.
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with Rich from the 3FN Network joining us in studio. That's right. And one of the shows on the 3FN Network is 3FNW. And it's the wrestling show that wrestling. Rich hosts and I co-host with him. Yes, that's right. The 3FN presents the wrestling show now. Like I know we'd be done it, but it's hashtag 3FNW. It's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find that over on the uh, 8122 Productions Network, and we'll definitely be posting the links in our show notes here as well in case you're not following them, because you should. But as we were talking about wrestling, there is a very big event happening this weekend that sets the tone for WrestleMania. The road to WrestleMania is now officially upon us yes the royalist of rumbles the royalist the royalist my of favorite Rumble. pay-per-view of the entire year yeah it's it's one of it's my it's my favorite event of the year as well don't uh, don't get me wrong the spectacle of wrestlemania is amazing and incredible and there's certain things i like with the other ones you know money in the bank is always fun because all oh, then you get the mystery and intrigue and, and kind of sometimes long you know suspense of oh when are they going to cash in and then hell in a cell is fun but there's just something with royal rumble that like it adds more to it. Royal Rumble is the oldest gimmick uh, pay-per-view that's still going on. And uh, with that being said, it's also the one that means the most. I mean, since 1993, everybody who went, with the exception of the Roman Reigns, defended the belt. Right. Since 1993, every year, the winner of that bout match gets a shot at the champion at WrestleMania. And that's just how it's going. And so you get the intrigue. You get to see where they're setting up. You get to see what they're doing. And then you add an, uh, you add layers every year. Every year, there's something new. There's something different. A lot a of return. times. There's a return. Oh, we always have the surprise. And we, surprise. Got, we get to see some people yep. from the past. It's a yep. lot of fun. Now we've added the wrinkle that there's the Women's Royal Rumble. So we get yeah. that one, but two Royal Rumble matches in one night. The, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, How will Kofi save himself from elimination? Yeah, that, That's become a thing yep. over the years. So, I mean, it's it's always a lot of fun. Uh, and Naomi has done that on the women's side, and I hear yeah. she's allegedly going to be back for the Rumble. So, uh, that's all good right. news. All right. So, well, there's there's that. So, well, let's there's, dive in first, though. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, this Sunday, January 26th, as we were recording, Minute Maid Park in Houston is going to be this year's Royal Rumble. There's o- awkward. I would say uh, there's no way in hell a heel commentator is not going to make a reference to the Houston oh, asterisk Cheating scandal. It's going to happen. Corey Graves is already oh. on it. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. This is going to be the one I'm going to love. Corey Graves every yeah, time yeah. he says something about that. I hope like he has like a bandaid. It's going to be doing all like, night. Thing. It's going to be. It's going to be all. There's going to be garbage yeah. cans, references, everything. So, all day long. So what we'll do is we'll break down the matches that are on the card, and then we'll give our picks for the Royal Rumble winners and a surprise entrant because we did post this on Twitter at OD Parlay. Hour. A lot of fun. Got a lot of feedback from a lot of our podcast friends and listeners. So we definitely want to deep dive into this. So let us start with the undercard. Mm-hmm. And starting off, we have the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey versus Lacey Evans. Okay. So, Rich, why don't you start us off? How are you feeling about this match? Uh, I'll put it this way. If, the, if we were talking about this six months ago, I was not a big fan of Lacey Evans. She has improved quite a bit. She's still not I, I, She's still not there. It, it's, an inter- it's an intriguing match. They have to do something with Bailey. I'm assuming they're going towards Bailey versus Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to work that dynamic kill face-wise. Uh, allegedly, uh, a lot of people think Sasha's going face for that match, which which would be the smart move because Bailey's been one hell of a heel. Uh, so I, I see her going over on Lacey, but it, it'll be entertaining. It'll be it'll be a solid match, Coach. Uh, yeah, I uh, I also have Bailey going over here. I just don't think Lacey's exactly ready yet. I I mean I wouldn't even be surprised if they extend this program to uh, WrestleMania, mm-hmm. the two of them with Lacey and Bailey, and then maybe do the Sasha thing at SummerSlam because the two of them are great together yeah. as this heel you know dynamic. Um, I do love Sasha as a face, though. I think her matches are better with her as a face. Um, but I see Bailey moving on. I, I can see this. You know, I obviously think Bailey's going to retain this, but I think what might happen is, you know, it's going to be the long match. It's going to be a good match, but I think what'll end, end up happening is that there will be a disqualification. Sasha's going to run in. She's going to interfere, 
And then what I think you may have happen is you might in some way, and I don't know how it'll work, this is maybe have a triple threat at oh, WrestleMania okay. with Sasha, Bailey, and Lacey. Could see that too. That's not a bad there's call. Some, so it's, it's you know, because so, you know, I can't see them changing the belt right before WrestleMania and then yeah. just building up to it. Oh, hey, we're going to change it again. Like some shenanigans are going to happen with this match. Bailey's going to retain and, you know, she's going to have a great match at WrestleMania, I'm sure. Bailey, I agree with Coach's sentiment. Uh, Lacey Evans has dramatic, dramatically improved. Like, oh, yeah. drastically improved. She's gotten better, but I don't think at the same time she, she's not ready yet. I agree with yeah. you, Pat. She's not there yet, but she's on the way. So I think uh, working with Bailey will help her because, obviously, this past year, uh, the whole Baron Corbin, Evans versus uh, Seth Becky thing, I think, really hurt her. And this year, come back and really kind of, I don't want to say reinvent herself, but become more comfortable in the ring in front of the main uh, roster audience, I think has only helped. So I can definitely see that moving forward with her. Isn't it ironic that the the person who went into that, the hottest, that, that feud you just mentioned, has now become the weakest link, if you will. Mm-hmm. Seth Rollins is killing it as the Monday Night Messiah. Baron Corbin as King Corbin as a heel is, yeah. is phenomenal. And Lacey Evans is improving yeah. every day. And she should have been a face to begin with. Yeah. Right. Because I think she's doing way better as a face. But yeah, so... And and, and, and Becky's kind of getting eh, a little, eh, I don't know. Well, let's jump th- right to that match. How about Becky versus Asuka? It's gonna be a, it's gonna be the normal match that they have, which is usually good, unless Oscar's having one of her off nights because Oscar does sometimes have a little bit of like timing issues, forces stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's some timing issues at times. But if they don't, they're gonna have their normal match, which will be a great match. It'll it'll be worth watching. Uh, it's paint by numbers at this point. Becky will retain because I don't see her dropping that belt before WrestleMania. Yeah, uh, Becky, uh, same uh, what Rich hit on a lot. I just think that uh, Asuka with the tag titles, you know, I don't think they want to do a dual championship right now because then what do you do with the tag titles at Mania and, or do you drop them early and what tag team in the women's division is ready to take the titles from, you know, Asuka and uh, uh, Cairo. So uh, I I think that it's Becky by default. I mean, I'd love to see Oscar win it again. I, you know, I don't think she's really gotten a fair shake at the title since. You know, I'm not. Expe- I fully agree. I'm not expecting like her to get an NXT like run with the title at some point, but I'd like to see her get something akin to that. That being said, I don't think she's going to win at, uh, the Royal Rumble. I think Becky's going to retain, and they're going to set set up for hopefully something good at WrestleMania. Uh, Becky's going to win this one. I really want to see Asuka win because I think if it goes with who I have winning the Women's Royal Rumble, mm. I would love to see Asuka versus that one. Oh, the intrigue. Yes. Yeah, so, tease. The tease. Uh, yeah, but that, that's that's the, that's the reason why I don't think that's going to happen. I know, but I, like, I, I want to do my, <laughs> my dream booking for this. But I'm, I'm going to take Becky on this one. And so let's go jump to how about the match that I don't think anybody is really invested in by any – which way or form? Sheamus versus Shorty G. Oh man, you gotta love that Shorty G. Yeah, yeah, you gotta talk, love what they did with him. Talk about talk about ruining a guy they could have booked as the next Kurt Angle. Yep, they really could have booked him as the next Kurt Angle. And Just said, minus the broken neck. Well, yeah, and and the gold medal. Well, he, yeah. But he was an Olympic wrestler, so I mean, but he has all the tools to be. Uh, he has, be and, Kurt Angle. Oh my god, his hilarious. matches are amazing, and he's a hilarious guy. Yeah. Hence the reason why he's all right being called Shorty G, which is just, but it's just embarrassing and. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully Seamus just kicks his head off and then he comes back and they bring him back and package him the way he should be packaged. Uh, that probably they won't package him the way he should be packaged, let's be honest. But it's just paint by the numbers. Seamus is just going to kick his head off. Yeah, yeah. Seamus, easy, quick, painless. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be Sheamus, and this is probably going to end up being the match like I go get food for, make a bathroom yeah, break that's for. Smart. Yeah, this one I, I believe is pre-show, and for good reason. It'll be over in two minutes when Sheamus kicks his head off. But see Sheamus back, I mean, can only help SmackDown right now, in my opinion. Yeah. Going to the United States Championship, mm-hmm. Andrade, who had a badass yeah. ladder match, uh, which him and Ray tore the roof off, albeit though how Ray uh, is able to walk, I, <laughs> I call a miracle, and how Andrade still has mobility in his neck yeah. after the one Great nasty match. fall bump. Great oh. match. Great match. Uh, is facing Humberto Carrillo. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I mean, it's once again, the, the bad part about this undercard is it really does feel like a paint-by-numbers kind yeah, of pay-per-view. Just, it, it, feels but, like, it feels like a, we have nothing for but, you, so here's some matches. Well, well here's the thing. You... We, and I'm not going to be mad at the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble uh, undercard has never been a really great. There's only been a few times in history. I mentioned one on the, the show this past week on the wrestling show when I mentioned one of the greatest matches of all time happened in 2002 between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. Right. That, that's what, but that's a rarity at the Royal Rumble. Usually the undercard is kind of throwaway because, let's be honest, we're all there to see the Rumble, and now right. we have two Rumble matches. Uh, with this, I think it's going to be a fun match because they're both really good in the ring. But right. they're not jumping off the Andrade horse. No. Andrade yeah. will retain. I mean, it, it, but it's, it's paint by number. But it'll be a good match. I almost, I mean, I think that they probably, because I think they want to r- get on Umberto too. I think they want to ride this wave. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's some sort of disqualification that maybe leads to Elimination Chamber where they can lock them in a cage or some sort of gimmick match for the following pay-per-view and then, you know, get the belt off Andrade and, and have him be, you know, in uh, a better feud going into Mania. But yeah, I think he retains here. Um, and then goes over. I, I, I either goes over strong or by DQ, so they can extend the feud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrade is definitely going to win. You know, nothing against Umberto, but just I don't see him winning it at this point. It, there's going to like, like like Coach said. There's going to be some gimmick match down the road, be it at another pay per view or on on an episode of Raw, where you know he'll get his rematch and he'll probably win. But you know, they're riding such a wave with Andrade now, they're not getting off that ship. Oh, I'm, I was going to say, Mister Flair, as he is, not, not <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Goddamn. yeah, come on. Uh, between 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 his actual talent, which is great, which is but, tremendous. But sure. now now that he has that pe- that pedigree, if you will behind him and he, he will definitely be uh, in the main event picture within the next year or two yeah so i mean this is just a stepping stone time champion him. in six months i don't think <laughs> i don't think that but i think he'll he'll definitely be in the main event picture he's talented enough anyways and i, I just kind of think it's funny that it took uh, to be with rick flair's daughter before they pushed him well i mean that's how it works backstage sometimes yeah but you know he was so slowly emerging and when they finally decided to pair him with selena vega which has been the biggest help for him in his wwe career sure I the sky is the limit now, and obviously the Charlotte uh, mystique uh, rubbing off on him has really helped ri- raise his stock a little more in the company. And obviously, when he's put on matches like he did this past Monday, you can't fault him on this one. Uh, easy win for him, I think. And where they go with Carilla after that, who knows? You uh, could probably join Seth Rollins' campus for all I'm saying. Hey, listen, everybody who is getting crapped on goes to Seth Rollins' campus. It's, it's not I'm a bad place okay to be. With it, yeah, it's almost like the reverse fiend. Yes, issue. it's almost like something's going on. It's it's almost like, but let's talk about one more match before we get into the title match. And that is Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. Falls count anywhere match. Is there a better heel right now than Baron Corbin? Yes. N- no. Yes. Who's a better heel? I love this, Seth. I love the Monday Night Messiah The, the Monday Night Messiah stuff is great. I love it because I love... The CrossFit Jesus thing is already there, yeah. and then you put you strap that now with the Monday Night Messiah, and he can just play in that mystique. I love that. I love the Monday Night Messiah, but let's be honest. As a guy who is a pure heel, sure, Corbin's got the pure heel down. Well, I mean, for me, though, it's like with Corbin, it's so it, it, 
I, he has improved and gotten better, and I, I do like him more than I used to, but it's still sometimes like I'm not necessarily parking my ass on the couch to watch his matches. All I have to say is his Twitter is a must follow. Yes, it yeah. is. And and when he's talking about other promotions with dive, dive, spot, spot, <laughs> neck beards, and, his, and wins. His AEW commentary it's, is it's win losses don't matter. Win losses don't matter. I mean, I love it. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. The big dog's going over. I mean, <laughs> the weird part, and, and, and this is why I got to say, there's got to be something to Baron Corbin because as many times as he just gets beat by Roman Reigns. Sure. Somehow, some way, it doesn't hurt him at all. Nope. So I mean, it's it's it, it's just gonna big dog get his win here. We'll hope, we'll end this feud because it's time for him to go on to bigger and better things, if you will. Yeah, it's it's Roman. I mean, it's again, it's just it is what it is. It's the Royal Rumble undercard. You know that they're not going to have Baron Corbin beat Roman Reigns no matter what. The Usos will probably be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Baron Corbin's court will be involved in the somehow. court's going to interfere and the usos, yeah, the usos will defend come make the and, save you know. and uh, here we go some schmaz finish pad uh no yeah uh, roman you know i i don't know I, I don't care for this feud i don't really get to see smackdown all that much so i can't really speak to it but yeah roman well you know as long as we don't have dog food i'm okay with oh, it please no dog food and for this is this is where i think and an we, uncomfortable 20 minute beatdown for whatever reason yeah i don't get that but yeah and as long as and I, i'm guaranteeing it this is where we see the whole uh, video cameras, Astro's joke, like they're gonna go into the bullpen. Well, and, they're definitely say, gonna use a. Tra- there will be a trash can used mm-hmm. in this oh, yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they'll be near the. They'll be near the ballpen because they're. They'll do something crazy. Yeah, they'll the, do something the, stupid. The, shit they'll do something like no, that. The, you know, you know, you know, you know where they'll be. They'll be in the. Uh, That's where the pinfall should happen. No, in the ballpen. no, I just thought of it. They'll be in the hallway that leads from the dugout to the clubhouse on the Astro side. Yo, oh. yo, what right by Baron- the table in the WWE sets up the, a table right there. What if Baron Corbin has Fair like enough. a little thing spear, pocket? Spear through. Small spear off of Oh, yeah, if Corbin has a yeah, buzzer. Yeah, like what if he has a little buzzer in his pocket, and then that's what brings out, you know, Ziggler and Rude and everybody. That would be it. That would be the, you know, like ding, ding, That'd ding, 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 stick. ding, yeah, yeah. to him. Yeah, this is where we see that without question. Uh, I don't think they've announced Nakamura versus Braun, so I'm not going to talk about that one. Uh, so I mean, SmackDown still is yet to air. So yeah, yeah. So that, well, could be, that, that could be the last. There could be a few more, but we're 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 only going by what we have so far. Sure, right. But I mean, if they go that route, I mean, uh, it's gonna be Nakamura with like some help. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of help. They're gonna, they're gonna build for Braun to get the title at um, Mania. Oh, okay. I think playing your hand there, huh, Ken? Yep. I I don't know. I think that uh, this will be probably the one title change that they have because there is something that always happens on the undercard yeah. that you can hang your hat on so I think that this will be the one where Braun gets over because I, I do think that they need to put a belt on him for a little bit of time before he gets in the world title picture so and I don't see him in that I just he to me his character him himself might be over enough and be ready mm. for me though the character is not there ready for a title match so put the US title on him and let him have that for a few months and go from there but Pat. if that happens, a good opinion there. Mm-hmm. I like it. Pat, anything on that? No. <laughs> He's like, yeah, SmackDown, yeah. Don't bother. I really don't get to watch SmackDown all that much. So well, all you need to know no. is the same stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> the same stuff. <laughs> Fair Just enough. raw, except substitute players. Yeah, exactly. And the title and, match. And, and no cuck angle. Yes, uh, no cuck. Thank no, God. No, no. No, there's only a love interest angle Less there. love interest. Uh, yes. But, no but that's cuck. a good one, though. Yes. Mandy Rose and, 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 and yeah, Otis. And is, 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 is worth the price of admission. They could book that as just an angle at at Royal Rumble, sure. like, this is the best segment on the show. <laughs> oh, by far, by far. Luke, oh, unless from oh, comics, unless, unless unless our truth does random jump ins all night, oh. and then I'm in because I'm I, I'm still I'm still in awe of the Brock Lesnar 
That was our true segment. Was the greatest segment. He, he needs to be the, the number two entrant to the Rumble <laughs> with a microphone. That's all I want. I, yeah. I just need this to happen. But before the we go into the Rumbles, there is one more match, and that's the Universal Title match. Bray Wyatt, the champion, Daniel Bryan, strap match. Okay, so I don't think they're taking the belt off the Fiend, so therefore he's going to win. But how interesting will it be as far as progressing a storyline that's possibly happened if he beats Daniel Bryan and then Daniel Bryan moves along a little bit more in his uh, former self? So you, he went back and he shaved the head as the trim beard. So now the next step would be the shaved, the shaved beard and the no movement Ooh. coming into Team Hell No. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going. Yeah, on. sure. I like let's let's let's, let's move that uh, messing with the timeline because Bray Wyatt, that's what he does. I I think it's hard, like with the way that Daniel Bryan's been, to not have him win because he's already lost once to the Fiend. Now you have the whole yes movement come back, so I, it's like it's tough that you put him in this position to ultimately just be feeder the fodder here. Uh, but I, it's also tough. I don't think they can take the belt off the Fiend just yet. That's got to be a mania moment. Yeah, but I, I think what's going to end up happening is that's how you're going to get to a alleged three-way at WrestleMania. Because I think what they're going to do is because of this overbearing story that they're doing with Bray Wyatt that's you know starting to get mentioned, uh, more of a conspiracy, is I think that it's going to go back to that part of the Yes movement and he'll be added triple threat style the way he was at WrestleMania 30 at 36. I think that's where they're going to go with the story. So who's going to be the Kane is the Roman. third? Oh, Roman. Roman. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have Reigns, Wyatt, and, and Brian in the main event. But they'll set up Reigns versus Wyatt and then they'll add Daniel Bryan. Oh, okay. I think it's it's a weird overall storyline that they're yeah, doing with weird, Bray Wyatt, weird. which but it's awesome at the same time. But it's weird with Daniel Bryan too, because yeah. like you bring back the Yes movement and it catches fire, which I mean you knew was probably going to happen, but you couldn't guarantee it, and then poof. Or you what? Know? Or what if this Roman wins the Royal Rumble, hypothetically speaking? Right, right. So he goes, oh, I, I challenge Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship, yada 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 yada. But then you have Bray saying, No, I want to face Daniel Bryan. I choose Daniel Bryan. I'm the yeah. champion. I get a choice. Right. I choose my opponent. So what if you have what, that dynamic? But, but once I said, it does tie back into the story that they're doing overall yeah. with Bray. Right. You would, would have the three-way, and that would be a fitting way to have Daniel Bryan. And once again, I don't think it hurts Daniel Bryan to lose no, a match. No, it doesn't. I just, I just think it's, it's just an awkward position because it's like – you know, you already had him lose once, and then you change the character, and then you, and then poof, he takes yeah. off with the yes movement, and then you have him lose again. But we should just be a little. We should be happy because this could be in the end of fifty fifty booking. Yeah, quite honestly, it could be in the end of fifty fifty booking. But once again, even with, I don't think the yes movement is going to go away if he loses either. Sure, sure. I no, mean, it won't. Daniel Bryan is Daniel Bryan at the end of the day. Yeah. So we're all taking Bray on this one. Yeah. yeah. All right, so it's Royal Rumble time. Let's start with the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, they have only announced a handful of competitors for this. Mm -hmm. So let us go to our picks. So, Who do we think? So it, do we do we want to do like a surprise pick plus a the winner for each one? Because I think that'd be fun. Yes. That everybody right. gets their little surprise in. Okay. So so my surprise pick. Well, do we want to do a Final Four, too? If you want, I'll leave it on. You can, you can throw that all in right. there. I don't know if I want to do a Final Four. but uh, So I think my surprise pick for the Women's Royal Rumble is going to be Kelly Kelly. That's right, I said it. <laughs> oh, jeez. No. No. Uh, because I don't think it's going to be... Honestly, I don't think there's going to be any impressive real impressive surprises because everybody's expecting Ronda Rousey, but I don't think she's coming back yet. Uh, because I think the winner of the Women's Royal Rumble this year is Shayna Baszler. 
All right, coach. I think my surprise is Lana makes a run. Ugh. I don't. I don't think that there really is a didn't surprise. She try return. To make, didn't she try to make it in last year and Becky took her spot because she got mm-hmm. slammed yeah. in the yeah. wall? So mm-hmm. I think. I think this year Lana with the. But what if she the, gets taken out again this year? That'd be fun. That'd be great, and that would probably make me happy. Liv Morgan than takes her Liv out. Morgan takes her out. Ring. That'd be fun. I Anyways. just. I don't know. I think that with this whole angle with her and Lashley, that to continue the angle that she just. She makes a decent run the Rumble. I'm not saying she eliminates no, yeah, 17 yeah. girls, but I'm saying she, she hides survives. out and she survives and she hangs out and she might even make it to a Final Four because I, I agree. I don't think yeah. Ra- I don't think Rousey's coming back and <sighs> it's Blazer. I mean, who else yeah. can it be in this position right now? I mean, he's turning over to the dark side. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, no, like we said like when we talked on Fight Night, I love her on the main card. I think she does better than the girls. Uh, with those girls than she does with the NXT girls. And, I mean, obviously Rhea Ripley now has the title, so she's definitely not in a position to do it, which I think she could uh, ultimately become, uh, you know, uh, Raw or SmackDown champion at some point too. But I think it's got to be Blazer because I think her time on NXT is up. Right, right on. Uh, I think in, I think Shayna Baszler is absolutely going to win. You know, she's kind of sitting in limbo, as it were, right now. We, you know, we haven't really seen her since she lost the belt on NXT. Uh, as for my surprise return, I think we're going to see Paige. Oh. You know, you look at some of the interviews she's done, and some of the like times in recent weeks that people have asked her about it. She's been very cagey. She hasn't come out and said no, I'm not doing it. I, you know, I can't because of my neck injury. This and that. She's played it very close to the chest, and just just the way maybe I'm reading too much into it, but. You look at some of the stuff she said, and you go, mm, "There might be something there." Yeah, that's a that's not a bad. Pick. I, I fear I might, piggy, I, f- I might piggyback with that. I Pat. fear for <laughs> the I fear for the venue we're watching at if that happens and what Nostradamus does. Yeah, I don't want to be around dog when that happens. Uh huh. Dog dog will mark out like nobody's business. For those who don't know, dog is a very big page fan. Yes, like super page fan. Uh, for red me, rocket, red rocket, red rocket. <laughs> for me, <laughs> uh. Baszler to win. Uh, I don't think there's anybody else that could pull it off right now. Uh, surprise entrant. I was going to say, if Ruby Riot comes back. Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah. I forgot about her. I was going to say, I don't know her status from her injury, so yeah. I don't know if she's cleared yet. I don't think so. So I will take a real surprise entrant, Taya Valkyrie. Yo, that's a big one. Yep. I mean, her, her uh, husband has signed with the company. He's back. Right. She finished up. She dropped the belt. It impact. It, it's a possibility. But, I mean, no contract, uh, no compete, right? No, uh, they, they don't have, have no, no competes. No, no, impact, brother. Right. Impact. You can you can quit Monday and be there Tuesday. Yeah. Then there you go. Yeah. So I, I think there's a possibility. That's I think that, I think she'd be a great addition uh, to the Rumble, and then wherever they want to put her, if they want to pair Morrison, Miz, and her as like a, a three person faction, I'm all right with that. Yeah, all day. That would be cool. That would, I'm, I'm all right with it. Miz is a heel. I'm fine uh, with did, whoever they pair him with. Is did great. some looking. It looks like Ruby Riot is not expected to return until later this year. Uh, she was uh, like she was seen at the Performance Center to monitor her progress towards getting medically cleared to return to the ring uh, for regular action. Uh, this is article is WrestlingInc.com. They say Riot has been out of action since undergoing double sol- shoulder surgery in 2019. One operation on her right shoulder in May. The same operation on her left shoulder in August. Yeah, yeah that's, so. a, that's a rough one. Uh, but we. We, I did mention it earlier, Naomi. I didn't mention her as my, my secret comeback because it is looking about like for her time to come back anyways. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. The Rumble's perfect for her because she is the female Kofi Kingston. I mean, the Usos are back. You would yeah. think that well, she would well, be right again, behind. She's the, she's the female Kofi Kingston. Yeah, that's Think about it. it. And, the fem- and, the, and the women's Royal Rumble so far, she's had the Kofi Kingston moments for the women well, where she has an interesting way to not get eliminated. Really one of the most athletic women. Oh, absolutely. Have, so. absolutely. Yeah, and as we record, according to the William Hill Sportsbook, 
look, uh, Shayna Baszler currently the favorite to win the Women's Royal Rumble at one to three odds. And make that no, then. No, no secrets there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and going off from uh, some of our Twitter feedback, goes to the Stratosphere. Shout out to them. Uh, they were saying either Shayna or Ronda. That's okay. their pick okay. to win. And three hours later, I, 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 <laughs> I love this one. This I love this one. Gina Carano. <laughs> oh, God. I saw that, and I was oh, like. Lord. Uh, oh, incredible. And Lou from Pina Comics chimed in with Sarah Logan. Yeah, his pick. Okay. He just said, pick. He goes, that that is, okay, They've been doing some stuff with her. That yeah. it, could, it could happen. It yeah. could happen. So let's go to the men's field. Now, if I did my math right, 20 competitors have been announced. So there's 10, yep. not including NXT or surprise picks. Yep. Yes, yes. So that being said, who's everybody got? All right, so mine is going to be a little long and drug out, but I'll go first because uh, uh, it Book to set us, up. brother. It's, it's, book it's it, brother. Be, it's pretty much a book. I, I hope WWE has the I, – I mean, I, all right, so if you're going for my pick from the heart to win, it would be Drew McIntyre because I'd just like to see it. But sure. this is what I would like to see WWE do. And if they don't eh. – so they, they had the balls to put Brock Lesnar in. The reason for putting Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble was because he has no competition, and that way he can take WrestleMania off. So ha- pull the trigger. Have him win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> then he can then he can do what everybody at home bitches about being part time and he go, Hey, you guys you guys bitch about it, guess what? I'm not gonna be there at Mania. What this actively does is if you do book Tyson Fury versus Brock Lesnar at Mania, or if you book another big star like a Kane Velasquez or whatever against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, it's a way for them to come back and come at Brock Lesnar without having to be there in the Royal Rumble and without having to do something special. Uh, I think we're going to get a lot of cool moments. I think we're going to get the moment with Keith Lee staring down Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble. Fuck yeah, we are. And that's going to get everybody in the field will be on their feet because just them staring at each other is going to put that seed in someone's head. I would like to see if he gets eliminated. I'm stealing this from Bully Ray. I said it on the show and I have to steal it from him because it's great. If, If he does get eliminated, a la Maven, I think that Keith Lee should eliminate Brock Lesnar. Yep. The next night, Brock Lesnar should come out on Raw and, and say he's there to find Keith Lee. And then and then Paul Heyman just goes, oh, wait a minute. You're not on Raw. So guess what we're going to do on Wednesday? Boom. We're going to show up on NXT because we're coming for you. And that's the night that if you're AEW, go, they got us. Because there will be 2 million people plus to nah. tune in to see Brock Lesnar face you know, Keith Lee. You know who's going to eliminate Brock Lesnar at the Rumble? Bro. Shorty G, bro. Uh, Shorty bro. G. Matt Riddle. Shorty Shorty G, bro. Can you imagine if Gable gives Brock a German <laughs> suplex and that's Shorty what throws him G. out of the ring? I'm uh, leaving if that happens. By the way, so my surprise pick, my surprise pick for the men's rumble, man. I, I, I've been torn about this. I mean, you, you can go with the, the real deep internet pick of CM Punk making his return, which I don't think is going to happen. Is that a deep internet pick, though? That, but that's everybody. The internet is a real shallow one. No, but I'm just saying the internet is deep with that's the conspiracy that yeah, he's going no, to be in. Oh, he's not working for Fox. He's working, he's working for WWE. For WWE. Yeah. He's going to make his return at the rumble. Uh, I don't think that's the case, but... Uh, uh, and then, of course, the other big one is Edge. Oh, uh, yeah, the Edge one is is, is running wild. You think brother. you know me? You think you know me? It's running wild, brother. Yeah, it's got a lot of huge. I, I know our listener out there, Colin Ginter, chimed in. He gave three. He gave Punk, Mark, or five actually. Punk, Mark Henry, Michaels, Goldberg, and Edge. Like yeah, he said, like any one of those. Could get I can sense. think I, my my pick is actually, and it's going to go off of what Pat said. My pick was coming into this Goldberg. Reason being is I think this is where we set up Matt Riddle versus Goldberg for WrestleMania because I think it's going down. Could definitely happen. And it might even be on TakeOver. I just want to throw that out there. Since the NXT Championship will be defended at WrestleMania and not TakeOver this year, mm-hmm. I do believe that they could end up ending TakeOver WrestleMania weekend with the main event of Goldberg versus 
uh, oh, Riddle. If only they, they <laughs> might. If they they either that or it'll be on main card WrestleMania. Either way, it works out because I think Goldberg's game for whatever because he's a, he's he's a decent dude like that. So so I booked the same thing you booked with the I I actually had Riddle being my Maven in the Goldberg role or the uh, and Brock Lesnar being the taker because uh, I would love to see those two go. I was. Uh, told that that would be uh, terrible booking for Riddle because his star power is vast more than an accidental elimination of you know said super superstar and then having them face each other. Poppycock, George Gatton. I think that is great <laughs> booking. I would love to see a Maven moment well, in this Rumble, but that's not even accidental. Like like the cool part about it is this: you if you're going to have somebody eliminate Lesnar, I believe it has to be an NXT guy. Yeah, because that's the way you get ratings on NXT. If you go, yeah. Brock Lesnar's going to show up on NXT. Trust me, you will get a lot of people to tune in to see Brock Lesnar Ex- show up on it. Exactly, and I. So now, though, Rich, again, you have inseminated my mind here with your with your thoughts here. I am now borrowing off of your shit because that's it, fine. It was fucking brilliant. Uh, I love the idea of the Lee and Lesnar. Whatever they do with that, I think it's great. But I think that it will be Keith Lee doing this. He's so hot right now, and he's goddamn handsome. You know, you got to You got to take. You got to take advantage of this. Um, so I think that that happens there. Uh, my person to go over, I think, is McIntyre. I think that the ascension is there. You know, you've seen it the last two weeks on Raw, the the face turn, the going over. I think that uh, he's the only one that makes sense and sizable enough to do that. And I think he's the perfect person to go against the Monday Night Messiah when the title's not there on Monday for him to have a heel to go against. So I think that that's perfect. Um, and I. Honestly, I love the Goldberg riddle shit. You just blew my mind off of that. So I'm picking Goldberg now to be my my surprise entrance. I had had an inkling, especially with what Goldberg's been saying lately, that he's been interacting with people and Roman Reigns, you know, doing the little the drop there, which I don't think was on accident. Mm-hmm. Like, why else would he randomly select a, a Goldberg moment to to get, come at a fan? So I think that that was, uh, you know, purposeful. So I think Goldberg is going to be the one that is the surprise entrance. And I definitely, I mean, my final four is going to be like a McIntyre, Rollins, which sets that up, uh, Keith Lee, and probably I wouldn't be surprised if it's Lesnar, and that's when he gets eliminated in the final four because I think that he definitely maintains his way because the fans will be pissed that he's in the final four. But that my my point is, if, if I wish they would pull the trigger on him winning just for that. Cause yeah, right. Will, I think. Oh my god. So oh yeah. So but then we won't get the Keith Lee moment, and I I think that would be. I mean, tremendous we'll at least too. get the stare down. Yeah, the stare down is going to be stare down. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be Roman Reigns, like I said earlier. You know how I think they might book the WrestleMania, you know, main event match mm-hmm. with with him, the Fiend, and and uh, Bray Wyatt. Uh, surprise return. I think you know, even though it's like the, the entire internet is saying, it, I would like to see CM Punk come back, just because from when I started watching, I never got to see CM Punk wrestle live oh. and, and on TV. So you know, I started watching. You know, my first pay per view was WrestleMania 30. So Punk was already on the outs with the company by then, and really, I never got to see him wrestle live. So I'd like to see him wrestle at least once live. I don't care if it's for one match and it's for you know one and done. I can say, hey, I got to see him wrestle live. All right, fair enough. So let's go through the listeners' uh, picks, and then I'll give mine. So Colin uh, took Drew McIntyre. Uh, goes to the stratosphere. Say Roman. Super Media Bros podcast said Roman or Brock, but they want Drew. Super Bros has to go with Matt Riddle. 
Bros, you're missing. Bro. You're missing the the payday here. Super Media Bros will have to get you. And, uh, Coach Duffy mean, Eleven on Twitter. You got to If you're Super Media Bros, you got to go with the King of Bros. That's right. Three hours later, coming in with a clutch pick again, Kane Velasquez. That's right. Well, it's a possibility. I mean, yeah, they, went all, they went all MMA for according, it. Yeah. According to William Hill Sportsbook, he is currently nine to two odds. It's it's a it's a, it's, it's a he's an option. He is an option. Like I said, I, I don't know where they're setting Lesnar up because I mean, if Lesnar wins, I, I put it this way: if Lesnar wins this match, I'm pretty sure they're trying to book Tyson Fury versus Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania. Yeah. Right, that's the only reason that he wins. Lou from Pina Comics said, "Head is taking Roman, but the heart wants Drew." I am with him on this. That I think Roman is going to wind up winning this, but I think Drew McIntyre is the one to eliminate Brock, setting that up. For, that could happen for me. Okay, and for my surprise entrant, Kenny Omega, who is going to jump ship from AEW because he knows the ship is sinking. Open a window, for, my friend, and run in and uh, just try jumping ship. Uh, no, in all seriousness, um, I honestly was trying to think about this until I saw backstage last night and I saw how jacked Booker T is looking. And Booker that's T another is ready. Being, I mean, being it's in, in Houston, Houston. being in Houston, in Houston, Booker he, T might be in. Yeah. He is, but I would. Laugh my ass off if Kenny Omega runs in and said I made a mistake. Vince, take me back. I I, I will say this about the Punk thing. I don't think Punk's returning at, at uh, the Royal Rumble, but I'll, I'll break the story that I think is going to happen here. Mind you, it's, it's my booking, but I think it, it works. I think they are going. I think he is getting the itch. I think it's apparent if oh, you if you hear five, him that he's getting the itch. Thousand. I think it's going to happen. I think I think his return to wrestling will be at WrestleMania. I think his return to wrestling will actually, believe it or not, is going to have to do with the leak that he leaked himself earlier. His return will be against Triple H. And I think it's going to start on backstage. I think he's basically going to say, I'm tired of Triple H trying to book himself at WrestleMania. Triple H will look like he's going to book himself. And he's going to go, if you want to book yourself, I'll tell you what. I'll come out of retirement. I will fight you at Mania. And when I beat you, you can no longer wrestle. And that'll be how you retire Triple H. And Triple H, of course, it'll be a great back and forth because Triple H will be like, oh, you're going to beat me like you beat everybody in UFC. You you know what's going to happen. Right. And it, it, pay, make, it makes it works for itself, and then you end up with that match, and that will fast forward, and then I, I think Punk will become a more regular asset to the company, and I think that'll culminate with a year from now, either winning the Rumble or setting himself up for the main event spot at WrestleMania, because that's the only way he'll come back. And they it, guarantee him a main event. And spot. it makes perfect sense because he doesn't need to actually do the shows because he mm-hmm. can just keep doing mm-hmm. the Tuesday night show. Yeah, a lot of storylines going into this Sunday. But if they do that. Uh, they cannot play cult of personality in Soulmania. In other words, if he meets Triple H at NXT or Raw or SmackDown to 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 do whatever, to just have him come through the crowd or come out for the counter or, or whatever, have him come out to kill switch engage. Well, no, I wouldn't have him come out to music at all because I think the first time you play that, if he does come back, is at Mania. So the first thing you it's hear or- is the opening to kill cult of personality, and the crowd loses their mind because it would feel like more organic, yeah, and real if he's just coming through the crowd, mm-hmm. just being like, "I'm here." Because I don't like work for this reality. company. Yeah, because I don't, I don't work, for this, work for this company. I work for Fox. So you can't queue up my music because I'm not an employee yeah, of I'm yours. Yeah, I'm not here. I'm, I'm just, I bought a ticket so I could come here and challenge you face-to-face. I challenged you on backstage. Unsan- you didn't have the balls to answer me, and I'm here face-to-face. So just put the unsanctioned tag. Because yeah. Triple H, I mean, neither one of these guys probably in a straight wrestling match probably wouldn't make a ton of sense. So just do, strap the gimmick to it. Mm-hmm. Unsanctioned match. And then have Punk come out in the Shawn Michaels jeans. With the hands taped and, and Triple H with the te- with the jeans on no, too. You, you, I would have them come out in their gear just because I okay. I'd love to see that moment where CM Punk does its clobbering time and everything. Because I think that's what the, the if you do that at Mania, it's a bigger pop because the crowd will like it. So oh that's yeah, my, that's my leaving for why Punk won't be in the Rumble. 
Ah, fair enough. I mean, so many storylines we're going to have to watch on Sunday to see. The Royal Rumble will be on the WWE Network, so definitely check that out on Sunday and hit us up on our hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your predictions for the Royal Rumble? Do you agree with what the panel said? Do you agree with what our listeners said? Who is your surprise entrant? Is it going to be Kenny Omega? Could it be Marty Scroll? Well, <laughs> yeah. they had their opportunity there. Yeah, open I mean, a window. <laughs> could, by the way, it could be Marty Gennetti. Oh, it could be I, heard he just, I heard he just got fired from his accidental contract. Yes. So, I mean, so, so many storylines. Definitely hit us up. Let us know what you think. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is George Gatton, and you are listening to the Ocho Duro Harley Hour Entertainment Edition. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the OTPH podcast with our guest panelist, Rich, from the Three Fat Nerds podcast. So, Pad, why don't we start off that local minute, shall we? Well, local minute, we normally start off with Binghamton Devils news, but hey, we got some Binghamton Rumble Ponies or Binghamton Rumble Ponies related news. Okay. Uh, interesting little news. Former Binghamton Rumble Pony manager Luis Rojas is close to being named the new manager for the New York Mets. So, if, for those of you who got to see him coach down here in Binghamton, uh, he, of course, coached the Binghamton Rumble Ponies for the 2017 and 2018 seasons. And in 2017, he led the Rumble Ponies to a playoff berth. Uh, he's going to to be going into his 15th season with the New York Mets organization. So definitely a guy who, you know, makes a smart move on their part, knows all the players, knows everybody coming up, and has that familiarity and that connection with them. So congratulations going out to him. You know, because Beltran got fired. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, congratulations. As he should. Have. As he should. Yeah. So congratulations to Luis Rojas. Uh, moving on to the Binghamton Devils, uh, looking at their games from last week, uh, they won their game on Wednesday against uh, the Cleveland Monsters by the final score of 5 to 2 and then uh, broke their losing or excuse me broke their winning streak going up against the uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms losing by the final score of 4 to 1 uh, switching to their games they have coming this week uh, they had just have one game uh, or excuse me they have a game going on uh, set Wednesday, January 22nd uh, at the Utica Comets, which is going on as we record. Uh, they've got a game Friday, January 24th against the Syracuse Crunch. And then they've got a game on Saturday uh, against the Laval Rocket uh, at home, game time, 7.05. More information, BinghamtonDevils.com. Coach. The Binghamton Bulldogs were off this past Saturday due to that pending snowstorm that hit. They were going to be traveling to the Scranton area for their second road game of the year. Was it that or were they still partying from Syracuse? I mean, we were still kind of celebrating a little bit, so hopefully they were. Um, But that game got canceled due to the snow. I believe that they have a date pended for February for that game to be made up. However, they are back in action Saturday, January 25th. At St. Patrick's Gym in Binghamton against the Spa City, Spa City Gamblers. They uh, played to a 125-113 game last time in Spa City. So, uh, you know, definitely a close game as far as the Binghamton Bulldogs go. Um, and then, obviously, the awaited rematch in February against uh, the Syracuse Stallions that Syracuse just unveiled very nice-looking uh, alternative jerseys for the game. So be on the lookout for that. They moved that game to OCC, so the Onondaga Community College gym, to accommodate for the tickets that are on sale online. For more information, check their website, BinghamtonBulldogs.com, or their active Facebook. 
Yes, they are very, very active on Facebook. So let's round those bases and take it home. Rich, do you want to kick us off with this? Uh, sure, why not? Because I, I guess I have the, more, the the least serious and more fun <laughs> one. Because I want to I want to give my shout out this week to the most despicable uh, town in sports history. That's right, Philadelphia, yeah. Pennsylvania. I mean, I, I, and mind you, I, I, I want to say this all. If there's any Philly listeners, that I love Philadelphia. It is the most wonderful, beautifulest, dirtiest, horrible town in the United States. But I, I heard, I heard it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It, I love Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, where do you go in Philly? You, you know, back in the day, they threw ice balls Patty's at Santa ball. Claus. They, they threw mm-hmm. ice balls at Santa Claus. They have a jail in their uh, in their football stadium. Booed Michael Irvin after he was paralyzed they, on the field. Yeah, they booed Michael Irvin. They threw batteries at kids when they faced the Rays in the, su- in the, in the World Series. Yeah. Where do you go from there? You know where you go? You go with Gritty, the mascot, punching a 13-year-old child. And how do we know this happened? Because he was arrested. <laughs> So, so way to stay classy uh, and despicable Philly sports. This team. sounds some like you know authority WWE type thing you'd see on a Monday night <laughs> a couple of years ago. It it, it it does, and it's crazy. And I, I when I first saw it, I was like, "There's no way this is true." And then it was the arrest report. I went, "Never mind. It's 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 got legs." <laughs> I yeah. When Rich was telling me about this, I'm like, I have no words. I <laughs> where do you go from me? I like I got nothing. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's most despicable sports town ever. But I love the town. It's great. I love it. Oh, the city's great, but yeah, sports-wise, it's a little tough. <laughs> a little tough. Pad, what you got? A couple of baseball things, although none of them depressing and overbearing and anger-inducing. Uh, interesting story came out today. Uh, according to uh, a source that told ESPN, Major League Baseball is going to be testing computerized camera system for balls and strikes during spring training games this year, a.k.a. Robo-umps. The article says baseball commissioner Rob Manfred indicated earlier Wednesday that Major League Baseball would use this system to call balls and strikes during spring training games. But the source later clarified to ESPN that the system would only be tested and that plate umpires would still call balls and strikes. Now, the the article doesn't really go into much detail on how this is going to work, whether it's going to be, you know, the umpire calls something and if he's wrong, then the play, then he gets, you know, there's a lot of mystery and kind of like, unknown with this going on so it's definitely something to keep your eye on interesting to see how this goes you know will it be more accurate yeah possibly but i gotta kind of see how this works before i make a judgment call on if it's a good thing or not i understand the thought process behind it but i'm not 100 percent sold on it one day closer to skynet i was gonna say i don't yeah. want i don't want this I, the best part about it is it being able to yell at the ump because he made a bad call i'm all for Damn that it. i'm Damn all for it. that i've seen some atrocious calls over the years uh, yeah but you know Egregious. what the, 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 you know what the best part about it is is giving the ump shit about it yeah like they're taking away all the fun parts yeah uh, switching, you had the base 2020 Baseball Hall of Fame class get announced. Uh, Derek Jeter, of course, got in. The, this was no surprise. Uh, first year on the ballot, received 396 out of 397 votes. There's some person who didn't vote for him. I, I want to point out, if this was on the Three Fat Nerds podcast, I would hit that fail horn real quick for this yeah. because that one person is the fail of the week. How do you not vote unanimously for Derek Jeter? See, I'm, I, at first I was angered by this. I was, I was you know, fuming. He was. Yeah. But, very true. Pad was lit. But, you know, I've kind of come down off of my anger, and I would like to know who this person is. Not so I can, you know, rip him a new one and tear him apart, just to kind of... Why? Well, you know, what? what's your reasoning behind clickbait. this? It's clickbait. You know, yeah. you know the, the best part about it is is that this happened also with Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson yeah. was two, two, two votes from being perfect. And uh, same kind of situation. And when, they, when one of them actually spoke out, it was because I guess that Ricky Henderson had uh, not done an interview with him. So he held that grudge all the way. He was like, well, it didn't hurt him. He still got in the Hall of Fame. It doesn't matter, man. A unanimous vote is a great thing. I mean, Mariano just had the unanimous vote not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here we go. I mean, it's not – and this isn't the first time something wild like this has happened. Joe DiMaggio, you know, 
got you got in on his fourth year on the ballot. You know, one of the best players of all times. You know, Ted William, you know, got ninety three point four percent of the vote. Willie Mays got ninety four point seven percent of the vote. So, you know, I just like to know who were you, who and and why. You know, also getting in was uh, Larry Walker, uh, who got in with seventy six point six percent of the vote. You know, I should note to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, you need seventy five percent of the vote. This was also Larry Walker's last year on the ballot. Mm. Thankfully, he got in because yeah, yeah. he deserved it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no se- argument there. Second Canadian to ever get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, so very much deserved. Uh, outside that, uh, nobody else got in, but the closest was Kurt Schilling, who is on his uh, eighth year on the ballot, so he's got two more years after this. Uh, you know, got 70% of the vote, and just looking at some of the names for next year, not a whole lot of names on there for the first time this year that are really like, oh, shoe in first ballot Hall of Famer. So Schilling will more than likely get in next year. Uh, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds kind of stayed pat. Roger Clemens, 61% of the vote. Barry Bonds, 60.7% of the vote. Also on their eighth year on the ballot. So after this year, they have two more years. Uh, falling off of the ballot, some notable names. You know, these are the folks that, you know, if you receive 5% or the less of the vote, you will drop off the ballot. Just some notable names. Uh, Jason Giambi, Alfonso Soriano. Cliff Lee, uh, Josh Beckett, Heath Bell, Carlos Pena, Brian Roberts, you know, just some notable names to drop off the ballot, you know, and looking at some names for next year, there's definitely some interesting names. You got Mark Burley, of course, who pitched a lot of years with the Chicago White Sox. Torrey Hunter made that infamous or well famous uh, robbery of uh, Barry Bonds in the All-Star mm-hmm. game in Milwaukee year, years ago. You know, Dan Heron, Barry Zito, the flying Hawaiian, Shane Victorino, Grady Sizemore, A.J. Burnett, Nick Swishalicious, Nick Swisher. So there'll definitely be some interesting names for next year. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, Hall of Fame, what can you say? Yeah, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a madhouse in Cooperstown, though. Yeah. July 26th. Yo, nuts. My wife like was like, Oh, we should go. I mean, yeah. we should really be there you're for not there. I'm like, near you got you're going to be you're better off. I go, "Yeah, you want to go?" All right, we can take a trip to Oneonta cuz that's the, about as close you're going to get to Cooperstown. No, from yeah. Here. A friend of mine went a couple years ago before, you know, Mariano got in and before Jeter got in, but like it was they were coming up on it. And they were, you know, they stayed the night because it was a Hall of Fame weekend and this and that, and all the festivities, sure. all the festivities going on. And if you get the chance to go, you know, not even for Hall of Fame weekend, just to visit the Hall of Fame, it's an amazing visit, you know. But they went and and they were talking like, oh, how crazy, you know, they were talking to the whatever hotel they were staying at. They they asked, oh, how crazy do you think it's going to be for when Mariano and Jeter get in? And the person running the desk said, we're already getting people booking for those years. So people have been booking, were have been booking these hotels sure. like two, three years out. Hey, I, my last time. At the Hall of Fame was this past summer, uh, or actually past October. I went with Courtney Gaines from Children of the Corn. That's what he wanted to do. Oh, really? So I, I went and hung out with him uh, all day at the Baseball Hall of Fame. It was a lot of fun. I need to go back. Fun. I haven't been in probably over ten years. Yeah, it's a lot I of fun. I need to go. That, hey, nothing wrong with going to the Hall of Fame. I haven't been there in years, but I, I don't know if I would go this summer with the, the man. Ooh, no, oh no. hell no. no. I mean, I, I'll go when it subsides, when it subsides, just so I can take a picture of the plaque. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you're yeah. not going to get anywhere near Hall of Fame weekend. Let's put it that way. You're like, not going. You're not going to get within like a hundred miles of the place. Be like oh, Galaxy no. Edge, just on a lesser scale. I, 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 coach was absolutely right. Oniana is your best hope. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. about as close as you're going to get, and, you, and that means you ain't seeing nothing. <laughs> not <laughs> so at you all. might as well not go because you can just watch it on TV <laughs> from home and not pay any money. Yep. Coach, what you got? Eli Manning retired today, guys. Oh, that's uh, right. We're sorry for you. I sorry, get, listen, sorry. i got to give this man a bit of a shout-out. Career record, 117 wins, 117 losses. Hey, he made it 500. You oh, know, that's, that's that's all that is a special talent. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've already done the swan song uh, for Eli before, so I'll keep it brief today. Um, it's a shame the way that the year went for him this year, uh, being his last year. But, I mean, all the accolades and all the things that he did, I mean, without him, I would not be able to celebrate two Super Bowl victories that I was raised as a young child thinking that would never happen. I mean, that was what was instilled in me as a youth, that I would never see the Rangers win a Stanley Cup. I would never see the Giants win a Super Bowl. I'll never see the Knicks win an NBA well, one championship. Of those is happening. And some of those things have happened, thank God. But you know what? I just grew it. That's how I was brought up. So when it does happen, I enjoy it that much more. And I mean, the 01 Super Bowl, I had such a bad taste. And then 07 happened. And it was, uh, you know, amazing. Then 11 happened. I, I you know, I, I, I just... All the things that he's done, all the things that he's brought to the table and all those things, I, I just can't thank him enough. He had a great year. He had a tremendous career. I don't care what the naysayers say, all you negative Nancys and negative assholes that have this negative, you know, this, this distaste for him as a quarterback. You know what? Without him, you wouldn't have two Super Bowls to celebrate. So get off your high horse. Understand that he was a great quarterback on some pretty shitty teams, and he did everything that he could do to, to help this team win. And you know what? Not only that, but he was a tremendous person off the field, and that doesn't get enough credit. And lastly, and I'll, round, uh, I'll wrap it up with this, he was the originator of Omaha. It was not Peyton, you sons of bitches. It was Eli was the first one to start doing Omaha, and then Big Brother Peyton did it. So, oh, Peyton, why are you saying Omaha? And, of course, Peyton, being the older brother, took all the credit in the world for it. <laughs> you dishonest mother of her. I know it was Eli who started it. Give credit where credit's due. But in all seriousness, thank you, Eli, for everything you did. Good night and good luck. No, I mean, congratulations on a great career. Eat shit for two of those years. You know. Oh, I'm still bitter. No, I, 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 I am still bitter. And, and, if, and if this means I get to see that, that certain completed pass where he should have been sacked for a 30-yard loss, a little less, I'll be a little happy. But no, in all seriousness, congratulations on a great career, and I hope you enjoy retirement. Don't, don't, don't feel bad, Coach. He might be really upset if he has to get called out of retirement to quarterback for the uh, New England Patriots. Hey, you know what, though? If that's what happens, that's what happens. I'd be all right with that, too. Yeah, you'd be all right with it. I don't know if he would. Yeah. Because yeah. you yeah. should. You would have to see that pass a lot more. Yeah, you would. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to envision that. No, I mean, salute to Eli. You did your thing, and you won some Super Bowls, and you beat Damn the Patriots. Right. So. For me, I'm very happy. I know I know hey, Pat doesn't like seeing it, but my favorite my favorite batting brother. Damn damn right. Hell with Peyton, man. Yeah, well, I mean Bronco, overrated, yeah. Overrated I mean, clap clap clap. Not clap. Cooper? <laughs> not Cooper. Listen, you listen, I, I just want to point this out. Peyton Manning, overrated. I'll say something that makes Pad very, very, very happy. Tom Brady's the goat, so just just calm it down with the. Uh, Listen, I I bear no ill will towards Peyton Manning. Yeah, he whooped our butts in a couple AFC Championship games, but we whooped his butt a few a lot more times. Yeah, well, I bear no ill will towards Peyton. Well, Eli, you guys got a perfect bit. record against them in games that matters. And that's <laughs> all that matters to me. There was that one year that it was one giant loss, right? Correct. That's right. Hey, oh. this magic moment that turned everything around, baby. That game against the Patriot was the, the was the catalyst for the run to the Super Bowl. If they don't play that game, balls to the wall, and lose by twenty, I don't think they make that run. The Super I'm going to send you Charlie Weiss pictures every hour for like a week. <laughs> I will just not answer your text. He's going to get. You'll still see him on your home screen. Uh, that's right. He's going to get so many burner accounts just to make this. Yeah, it's I'm going to set up a bot that tweets it to you like every oh second. Oh my god, I will not be happy. Oh, that'll be amazing. <laughs> I kind of want to see this happen. From a distance. 
Yeah. From a very safe distance. Yes, yes. Someday I'll have to go into why he makes me so angry that Charlie Weiss. I'll have to write a he'll have to be actually he'll have to be a happy post. move. You know, yeah. you know what? Be a happy move. We will have to put that behind a Patreon wall. Yeah, actually, no, I got an idea. To. The reason the, the time that he can do it, if it and, and this will give you the out. When the Knicks win the, the NBA finals, <laughs> <laughs> the coach that, will finally tell you why his hate for yeah, Charlie, Charlie Weiss. Weiss is so strong. Oh a live mic that night will be out of control. Because it, think about it, it'd be the perfect time to do it right when the Knicks win. So then he can you, he be, he'll be nice and drunk, and he'll just go right into <laughs> yeah, go it. Go right he into it. Right? Just go right into it. That's good. That right there is good podcasting. <sighs> oh man, you know what? I was going to go with my around the base, but I don't think I could top that. <laughs> I really don't. Because uh, all I was going to say is the NHL All Star Game is this weekend, January twenty fourth, twenty fifth. Hey, so, watch it. Turn it on. Oh it's yeah, on definitely NBC. watch it. Yeah, it's, three on three hockey is a lot of fun. A three on three hockey is a lot of fun. I mean. Hockey's been very good this season. The Rangers have been showing some improvement. A lot of the young talents coming up. I know Panarin's out and Kreider's in for him for the All-Star game. Henrique is in the same position as Eli, so it's very serendipitous yeah, that but, that was the segue. But Igor is up now, so we'll have to see what he can pull off. And Krasnoff, any minute now. I mean, I know he's in Hartford, so at least the building blocks for the future are there. But Panarin's been earning his keep, and you know what? I have to say the future is looking bright for the, for the Blue Shirt Nation, so what can I say with that? Rich, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Oh, where can you find me? Uh, you, well, you can find me uh, most times at Dragon Master Games. That's a cheap plug there. Shout, uh, out, to, shout out to Dragon Masters. That's because that's where the studio is. Uh, but, yes, uh, so if you want to, you can uh, find the Three Fat Nerds uh, anywhere podcasts can be found just by searching Three Fat Nerds. Uh, remember, it is the number three and not the word three because people confuse that for some reason. <laughs> and uh, that also will give you not only just the flagship show but also the wrestling show that Ken is uh, the co-host of. So yeah. it's, it's a fun time over there. And we have a little news about that as well. For the month of February, we are going to be dual casting the show on the 8122 production network and on the ODPH network. So oh. so to kind of give a little more signal boost to the show because it's been really catching on with listeners, but for all the wrestling content and who knows who's going to be guest starring on those shows. Yeah, we have we have, we have some people in it. I mean, uh, our, my good friend Walt comes on and uh, he, he has some uh, stuff. I mean, the last time he set the world on fire with his hatred of Kenny Omega. Yes, yes he <laughs> did. So, so that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, also you can find me on the co-host of Horizon 607. You can search Horizon 607 anywhere uh, podcasts are found. It's a great if you're a horror fan, check that out for sure. The first episode is right here on the ODPH. Uh, also, uh, uh, it's, if it's easier, go to 8122productions.com. All the links are there, and all the shows are there for download and stream. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Three Fat Nerds Podcast, Twitter, and Instagram at Three Fat Nerds Pod. Uh, horror Zone is, of course, Horror Zone 607, and at Horror Zone 607. I guess I should plug that as well, uh, adding to my plugs. And uh, I won't do the last plug, I'll let you do it. Their Patreon has <laughs> one of the most infamous shows that you need to hear. For $1 a month, $12 a year, just to get in the door, you can hear the one and only Dr. Derek do Love is Scary. I wish I could talk about it on the show. I really do, but I can't. I've actually been told by two providers, you are not allowed to say that on the air. You're not behind a paywall. Eek. It is that much content that you need to hear. Derek and his element, you can hear the cringing of Mike. Every so often. I get to see it. That's my that's my payment. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is incredible to hear with all the extra products or content you get rather from A122 Productions on top of that. That's just like the cherry on the Sunday oh, right yeah. there. And that's uh, patreon.com slash 8122 Productions. Uh, you know, everything goes back into the show. Trust me. And it's, it's real cheap. $1 and $3. It's all we ask. It's 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 just a way to support, uh, keep going. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, on top of that, you know, you can hear Ken and me every week. Uh, so... 
There you go. Talking some wrestling on the uh, the three FNW presents the wrestling show. Yeah, you never know if you liked what you heard tonight. You can hear some more extreme thoughts. <laughs> you just hand just hand Ken a mic and ask him about how he feels about Cody Rhodes' entrance. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna get into there. Nope, nope. We're <laughs> we not. will be here for another hour. Yeah, we will be here for another hour. Rich, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I had a great time. Absolutely. So if you want to find out more about 3FN and where to find them, ochodoroparleyhour.com slash ODPH directory. You can find out about them. You can find out about uh, Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. You can find out about Excite Wrestling, the big show they got coming up at the top of the month. You can find out about all our friends that are on there. Shout out to photo- photographer Mike Blakesley. He's on there as well. I mean, there's so much going on, ochodoroparleyhour.com. You can also check out the music section, which you can hear Fair City Fire, who provided the music for the show. You can also check out Shout Out the Robots, Floodlands, Walking Distance, all the great music you hear on the ODPH podcast, plus Parlay Points, the complimentary blog section to the show, which we'll be writing something this week, especially with Worlds Collide going on this weekend, NXT UK versus NXT. Oh, yeah. Good which stuff, we didn't man. even talk about. Good so stuff. Have to I give wish a, we did. Yeah, we'll have to give a little breakdown about that. Maybe Mike C will do one because I know he likes doing the NXT blogs. Yeah. We'll have to see if we can pull him away to do that. And you can find out about all the groups that 3FN and the ODPHs are a part of. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Next Wave. And of course, shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. You can find all the links to the Podchaser pages on the front page and including all the social media links to the ODPH because we definitely want to interact with you. That's all I got for this week. So for Rich from the 3 Fat Nerds Podcast. Later, nerds. For your coach, my coach, the coach. Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one and only Padawan J. John Calipari, he's still coaching Kentucky. I'm your host, Ken M. George Gatton, still banned from the ODPH. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 